Filmmaker Commentary, episode 159. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. In the new year. Ha. 2023. Happy 2023. Happy New Year's to all our listeners out there. Yeah. New and um, faithful. Yes, absolutely. How's the year going so far? So far going great. Got some good things happening this uh, week as of this recording. Starting some new endeavors and I'm excited about that. How about you, sir? Likewise, man. Just we hit the road 2023 just just running. So it's almost like December right into January. Really didn't take any time off necessarily. Just during those, you know, Christmas, New Year's, you know, took those days off, but just kind of kept it rolling. Gotcha. I've enjoyed, uh, had quite a bit of of downtime. So Mm -hmm. I'm refreshed, relaxed and ready to rock. I did catch a, quite a few movies and TV and things like that. So, you know, it'll be, it's going to be fun to talk about that. Excellent. Excellent. But before we talk further about, you know, filmmaker commentary episode 159, let's talk about TV news and movies. Why? So in the news, I wanted to point out something I found interesting, according to an article from Variety. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Kei Hui Kwan, and uh, Tar win National Society of Film Critics, which completes a rare major critics award trifecta. Oh, so what does all that mean? It means that it's it's rare to have a hat trick victory for um, for any film, mm. but especially when it comes to. Uh, best Picture wins for the, the National Society of Film Critics, which happened on this previous Saturday, following its prestigious wins at the Los Angeles Film Critics Association and the New York Film Critics Circle, all happening this season. And um, so this film won that uh, best film at all three of those. But in addition to that, also, Kate Blanchett won at all three of those uh, festivals for, uh, I want to say for Best actress and she's also in the film tar but also our our man Kei Hui Kwang uh, also won best supporting actor for everything everywhere all at once boom so it's fascinating that all three of of those that film and those two actors all three won at all three of those film festivals so just wanted to point that out just a kind of interesting tidbit that took place want to Boom. celebrate their success Boom. Uh, but then also of course looking at the box office over these past couple of, of weeks so of course Avatar The Way of Water stays on top with 45 million and races to 517 million uh, domestic and 1.7 billion worldwide to become the seventh highest global grocery film ever and the movie Megan with the with the three for the E, <laughs> yeah, uh, smashes expectations with thirty a uh, thirty million dollar start. Wow! So, so those films are doing their thing at the box office. That's pretty cool because Megan, uh, if I was a guess, that's like a five or ten million dollar budget film. Maybe if I was to throw it out there, didn't look up the budget, but you know, I, I, I'm assuming they probably won off that weekend. Hey, we got money back. 
Oh yeah, just and based off the trailer, or maybe it's twenty million. I'm sure there's some uh, AI action going on there. See, now you got me curious. Now you got me curious. Yeah, we're gonna- Let's see what's up with Megan. Oh, they haven't they haven't released box office just yet. Oh, okay. Uh, it's still, it's oh, still. what about production budget though? Have they released that or? No, not just yet. I, I found sometimes with these newer films and they're still in the theatrical runs. Uh-huh. Sometimes they don't release the box office just yet. But the box is over the budget. The budget. Sorry, no worries. Um, but speaking to James Cameron, um, did you see? Did you hear that like he was kind of recanting the whole two million two billion dollar thing? Like we need to make two billion dollars just to break even. Mm, I remember him saying that comment. Yeah. That yeah. And so, like, people, so basically, they kind of asked him about it a little bit, and he kind of recanted a little bit, like, you know, we don't need two billion to break even. So people are kind of like running the numbers again, and probably saying he needs to make six hundred, eight hundred million, or something like that to break even. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because he was just saying, yeah, we need we need two billion just to break even, but that's the movie business, right? Everybody. Like inflates their production costs. That's part of the marketing technique is, you know, lying about the budget, either how cheap it is or how expensive it is. Right. Um, so I, I found that interesting. But I mean, what if a company doesn't have to give you real numbers, like the actual numbers, it's not even really in their best interest to give you the actual number of their production. No, it's not. Um, but I found that interesting because I was like, because if it, if this is spin wrong, it's like, dude, you're y'all just film lost. You know, you know, it didn't it didn't do well based on, you know, how we're, you know, saying it needs to make money. All right. But I'm like, I, you know, for whatever reason, James Cameron, like it's it's hard to bet against him as mm-hmm. much time and effort as he spent on the sequel to Avatar. It's crushing it. Yeah, it is absolutely crushing it again. It's something that people didn't talk a lot about. Avatar, the first one came and, and went and I I talked a lot about it. that one right there was groundbreaking. Mm. It was great, especially if you went to the theater to see it. If you went to the theater and see it, which we did, it was groundbreaking. If I was to see that just two D on the regular screen, it's not much to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think after the the experience, because after that, I mean, a lot of theater. I mean, it was three D everything kind of right. after Avatar hit. Yeah, three D TVs and and movies doing three D, but it's kind of a novelty. I felt it kind of you know maybe wore off. Yeah, absolutely. And then I saw so I wondered about this. I'm like, okay, what's going to make this different? I haven't seen the film itself, right? But you know, people are coming back to for the spectacle, or is there something visually about this? I don't, I don't know what's uh, making it as successful as it is now. It's good, um, I, based on what I'm hearing. You know, it's good, and then also, I, like, because this one, I got to go to the movies to watch, kind of like the Maverick thing. You know, once uh, when there's a movie that's taken off and you know it's working, you got to go. And Maverick was one of those you had to go to the theater to experience that. And I feel like Avatar, this one, it, just like last time, is one you have to go to the theater experience. It was created with theatrical in mind. A lot of movies now is like, yeah, they, you know, if it's not Marvel, it's like <laughs> you can wait for it to come to streaming, and you're not missing out on anything. Sure, really, sure. Honestly, uh, so I feel like this is a one. That, you know, it's an old school filmmaker. You know, has the theatrical people in mind, and theater so, first for sure. Absolutely. So I'm kids are interested. They actually want to watch it. Um, okay. So they're like, hey, we're going to go catch that. So I'm that's like, interesting to me. If, if kids are asking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, either way, I mean, Disney's winning. You know? <laughs> it's like, man. Absolutely. Um, so, like, some on, you, on YouTube, I've been kind of following some people and things like that. But they're comparing, like, the CGI from last time compared to this time and just how much time they put into it. Uh, he said, it's so, like, realistic that you forget that this is fake. Like that's how immersive it is. Okay. Like, and I saw like some of the contrast. Like, yeah, it's it's just a matter of 
you spending your time. You know, I don't think they really do anything too groundbreaking outside of they had enough money in their budget for the artists to take their time to create the things, the CGI artists to be able to, you know, to develop this stuff outside of the technology he had to do for like We're the water and like some of the face tracking stuff outside of that. I think um, just the CGI artists being able to take their time. It's a lot of time they put into it. I mean, we're talking 12 years. Yeah. And, and they're shooting what back to back movies with that. And so it's, yeah. uh, so this first film, probably that one covered probably most of the budget. <laughs> and then the next one is just like, Hey, it's just all profit from here. Probably. Um, so yeah, I just found that interesting that, you know, there was like some recant there, but also like people are giving it like good reviews and I think your guy, Jan, John Campos, is that his name? Campos? John Campia. Like, I just recently heard something with him. He's like, man, this, I, he said, there's very few films where I feel like it's like the movie magic happening. He said, I felt it with Maverick. I felt it with the Steven Spielberg movie. He used uh, um, the kid that was watching the film, I guess, that was playing Sp uh, Steven Spielberg and how like wild he was. Right. He said, uh, I had that feeling watching Avatar too. Okay, and that's so, that's big praise. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah, the spectacle of like movie making, and so that's that, and that's part of the reason why I want to go to the theater to see it. I think story stuff, you know, when it comes to to this particular franchise, we know it's kind of, you know, a hybrid of other movies we've seen, mm. but you know, the spectacle I think is what people are there for. Okay, well, maybe I have to give it a go. Give it a go. Give it another try, especially since you didn't see the first one in the theater. I did. Oh, you did? I did. In 3D? I did, but I was only wearing one contact at the time, so oh. the 3D effect didn't, didn't. oh man, that wasn't was, really that special for me. I was like, oh, this is okay. That sucks. Yeah. Oh, man. It's all about that. It's all good. Um, have you been watching any trailers? I'm sure I have, but none that stuck out. That stuck me. out? How about you? Uh, one trailer, oh, I, I have several here, but um, it's called Ranfield, and it's a horror film and it opens up with a guy running into a room and it's a room for what's those uh classes called like kind of like when people are like alcoholic anonymous and they're kind of talking about the problems that they're having in their life and like a like a round circle and then you have the one mediator there kind of walking them through their problems what is that i don't even know what that what that's called but anyhow the, the guy runs into the room and says i'm in a toxic relationship and so he's breaking down like the relationship that he's in with this person that has power over him. And then people are like, oh, does he want to do this to you? And he's like, yeah, he 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 makes me do these things and take these air, run these errands and all this stuff. Turns out the person that he's in a toxic relationship with is a vampire. And that Ooh. vampire is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so is this like a horror comedy? <laughs> yeah. I don't pretty know much. I, I thought Nicolas Cage. I just said, oh, it must, uh, be, it must be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's got some funny bits. So I was like, hmm, I don't know if I, you know. I'll entertain it though. Ransfield? Ranfield. Ranfield. Yeah. Okay. Um, another trailer. Uh, so apparently M. Night Shyamalan has a series called Servant. Have you heard about that? Um, it is on Apple Plus. It's on it, the it's on a, its fourth and final season. Um, and it's dropping, I think, January 13th. Okay. But I just recently seen the trailer. It just kind of popped out of nowhere. So I just thought it was a movie, but apparently it's a series. M. Night Shyamalan's Servant. So basically, it's uh, uh, the premise is a husband and wife have a young kid. They apparently have that kid died. And so they've hired somebody to come in and take care of a doll that kind of replaced their kid for the psychological help of the mother. That sounds like some Black Mirror 
kind of stuff. Absolutely. And so uh, that's the premise of this show. That sounds very that's interesting. Yeah. Um, another trailer, it's called Mainstream. It came out in 2021, uh, starring Andrew Garfield and Maya Hawk. Oh, directed by Gia Coppola. Okay. Who is granddaughter of the Francis, Francis Ford. Yes. Coppola. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and they kind of just, I guess the theme of this one was just kind of diving into the dark side of being a viral celebrity. Okay. Uh, I don't think it performed necessarily well. I think she does like these films that are kind of like like auteur art films that aren't necessarily there to make box office hits, but kind of make a statement. Like thought provoking. Yeah. And so I art thought. Art house. Yeah. Art house. Boom. That's it. Uh, I think she's in that lane of direction. And, but I, 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 uh, I like the trailer, so I'm probably going to check that one out. All right. Yeah. That was just kind of out of the blue. I don't know how that popped up on my timeline, but it did. One of my last trailers is Barbie movie. The Barbie movie. Have you heard of this? I have Margot Robbie. Yeah, she signed on years ago for for that project. So they just recently had like a teaser trailer that came out. I saw that. So I was like, "This is interesting." You know, I <laughs> uh, never thought this is is interesting enough that I want to check it out. I'm waiting for. I want to see the second trailer to hear more about like what what the movie is about. Yeah, but I, I am I am interested because I like Margot Robbie. I mean, a lot of people do, of course. She's yeah. but she's not just beautiful, but she's she's talented. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and she's also into producing, so I'm, I'm interested to see what. And she's what, a movie star, right? What the film is going to have to say. Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, and apparently there's like other Kens and other Barbies. So like one of the Barbies is Issa Rae, and then you have uh, uh, one of the other Ken dolls is played by. Am I saying this guy's name right? Simu Liu. Yeah, that's Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's playing one of the Ken dolls. So there's like a lot. Of, so apparently it's like. You know, it's a diversity thing. That's why I'm very curious, like, what the film was going to have to say. That, yeah. That's okay. That, 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 I'm very interested. Yeah. So Let's go. Let's go. So this kind of calls the, because um, uh, this is kind of like recent. So like on Twitter, um, I guess this is kind of going our debate. We talked about this earlier. Like you were saying, I think Martin Scorsese was saying something about Marvel movies. And I think Tarantino had said something. And who else was talking crap? Man, James Cameron. Cameron was talking crap. So, uh, Simu, saying his name right? Simu. Simu. He he kind of went on Twitter. Was kind of going at Tarantino um, because Tarantino was talking about the decline of of Hollywood movie stars. Like there aren't many anymore because of the marvelization of characters in Hollywood. Sure. Um, and so. Simu kind of was like kind of going, well, if I leave my career up to you, then I wouldn't be, you know, in there wouldn't be that many opportunities for me if I leave it up, you know, to you or whatever. Ooh. And but it, it's interesting because I think, um, I, you know, way what people on Twitter were saying was that he's kind of proven Tarantino's point because um, he's not necessarily the one you want to say diversity about because out of anybody who's had the most like, you know, kick-ass black person you know <laughs> being the hero leave with the girl get revenge also the most like women that are like kicking ass they're like it's kind of the right director to do that but he's kind of saying that uh because there's so many of like these hero movies out there there's not room for these other movies it's kind of what the point that tarantino was saying but simu was trying to make it a div trying to make it a diversity argument which that wasn't necessarily 
the point that Tarantino was talking about. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting to just kind of see the the viewpoints and also how people try to flip things to kind of promote themselves. Yes. Um, again, that's, that's what people will do. I mean, but it, it's one of those things that when you're when something's at the top, people are going to take their shots. They're, they're going to take their uh, their their flanking flanking moves. I'm right, sure right. when Tarantino's films came out and they're uber violent and this and that, people are going to come out and say, "Oh, these films are so violent and yada <laughs> yada yada," because they have something they're working on. They want they want to have mm-hmm. and to be to be recognized. So I mean, there's always going to be ebb and flow. There's going to be Times things are the flavor of the month or for a while, for a decade. You know, Westerns had their had a run, for, you know, during a period of time. Gangster movies for a period of time. You know, a sword and sandal films. Right now, it's 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 comic book, um, superhero slash films. Right. Alien films, horror films. You know, there's there's room for stuff at the table at different times and periods. But yeah. there's also more content out than ever before. Streaming has changed the game as well. So you can find your your lane. Yeah, um, I think he, I think Tarantino was just kind of talking more from the Hollywood standpoint of what's in the theaters. You know, that's their thing. Sure, right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, with Tarantino for sure. That what's in the theaters? Is, that's yeah, because we're not going to watch, a, you know, like this Coppola movie or something like that. They're they're in and out probably the same week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think we still do have. Well, I also think that line is blurring between the well, what's what's uh, we see at home. And who we see at home and who we could see on the screen. Right. That line is blurred so much over the past couple of that the past decade as well, where it's yeah, somebody could be on film and on TV. They could be doing a TV show and a and have a a, a big film coming out or playing mm-hmm. a, playing a hero. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, um, I think also part of the argument was the Marvelization, meaning that the characters are more important than the movie star, is kind of like his point. Is like hmm. You know, how many, you know, stars, if they're not playing the character, are they already movie stars in in all the characters that play, you know, all those movie, you know, those, uh, the Marvel movies? You know, how many are bonafide movie stars outside of the character? Sure, or, or have had, like, major successful films. Right. And, then, and there's a handful of, like, movie stars that were already movie stars before they put on the cape. Sure. You know, there's a handful of those. Um, there's always only a handful of those. It's it's not an easy thing to do. I think at the, at the end of the day, it's not easy to to be a quote unquote bona fide movie star. It's right. it's tough. But again, I think in your career, you could be recognized for playing a, a given role. Some people are are um, you know they're they're there to to play a specific role, a specific right. kind of character. They're character actors. Um. Hey, yeah, and yeah, and some and some it's like some, sometimes it's like okay, this one's for the studio. All right, this one's for me for my artistic integrity, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're if your goal is to be an actor and you get a chance to be in a film that makes millions, perhaps billions, and get to come back multiple times, you're you're still pretty blessed at the at the at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and your yeah. your your family's eating. You're you're healthy. You're you're in in great shape. You're you're doing all right. You're yeah. you're, you're regardless you're still if we know nice. your name or you're the guy that plays Thor. But yeah. honestly, I mean, these people are movie stars. When they when they go on the talk shows, you you say I yo, don't know. I don't know Simon. I didn't know Simu's name. <laughs> I didn't know his name, even though he was the lead, right? Sure. I didn't know his name before, and I 
kind of now I know his name afterwards. Simu, Simu's name is 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 right. unique. We could be honest. I've I've never yeah. known. Uh, I've never I've never seen the name or heard the name Simu before. Right. But you know he's on the rise. But I mean when he when he finally got in the role, I know he was on Kim's Kim's store. He was on a, a show uh, previously, but I I didn't really know him before. But he he's had his his, his first film Shang Chi and. He's yeah. going to have more opportunities come up. He's right. very, very charismatic and and all that good stuff. But you know, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. was he already Chris? Um, they were already before the uh, Thor thing. Was he already? Because I don't know his career direct. I didn't know Hemsworth before yeah. Thor. Yeah, Chris Evans, I kind of knew. He had done quite a few things. Yeah. I, didn't, um, I don't remember seeing any of them, but I, I didn't follow was, their career. He was in the first Fantastic. He was the Human Torch in the f- early Fantastic Four movies. That was that was Chris Evans. I didn't know who, yeah. who he was. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me, but yeah, but again, you get a chance to get a role that catapults yeah. you to worldwide. I mean, his his face is Evans is recognizable. <laughs> he got you know sexiest man alive. Right. Uh, recently, you know, The Rock, you know, um, passed the. Uh, baton to, really? to him for yeah, that yeah. yeah that happened at the end of last year um and again they get to use their platforms in, in different ways mm-hmm. for to bring recognition they get other opportunities uh, hemsworth mm-hmm. had a, a show that he did on disney plus or through national geographic called limitless uh those, those are things that are that are that are happening yeah, yeah. I, I i know when i see curious I, all i can uh what's the one to play captain america evans evans um i all i can Think about Captain America, <laughs> and then uh, same thing with the homie, you know uh, Hemsworth. I think he's great. He's funny, uh, but I just see Thor. And then when I see him, what was the last film that he was in? It was a Netflix joint, and he was playing a villain that was running these tests on people. Mm, him and Miles Teller in it, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it yet, but it looked interesting. It, it was interesting. <clears throat> uh, if I was to give a grade, though, five out of ten, bro. Sure. Sure, and it's just it's one of those things. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But I think he's, you know, he, if it's action, if he's in anything action, sign me up. Okay, if you want to see his like acting chops? Yeah. Rush the movie Rush. Oh, the car driver. Yeah, the car Ron Howard, right? Yeah, yeah. Damn, he is. He's he a, solid he's, in there. He's amazing in Rush. I'll have to check that one out. Yes, he is. Yeah, I, if you watch that and you see Thor, that, that, that's on you. But I, in that, he's a. I have to check that one out. Mm. And the other one is, um, it, it's a something ro- at the Royale, not at the Royale. Something. I like want to check that one out. Yeah, he, I want to check that one out. Yo, he, was that good? Yeah, he does an American accent in that. That's uh-huh. it's a trip. You're like, yeah, he's flex, he's flexing his uh, his okay. acting muscles. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, those two. Uh, for Hemsworth are some of his so, best. So I would say then, out of uh, those Chris's, their roles have cre- made them movie stars. Sure. Um, I think some people might. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but again, you again you get it where you you get it where you can. Yeah, you typically I think as an actor, you're uh-huh. hoping for the role that will launch you, and it's not easy to do. So many no. things could go just so horribly wrong, but. I, I know what the Chris Bozeman, um, uh, Chad Bozeman, Lord, I kept <laughs> all these Chris's. Sorry about that, Chad. Don't forget Chris Pratt also. <laughs> Star Lord, man, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, bonafide kind of movie star before he became Black Panther, right? You know, doing all these things. You know, leading. You know, leading man doing his thing. James Brown, Jackie Robinson. 
Yeah. Okay. He's been doing it. He was doing this thing prior. Sure. Um, but him being gone, you know, from this film, also, I was like, well, where's the Black Panther? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, if, are y'all going to bring the Black Panther back? I didn't, you know what I mean? So I think that was also from, from my kids' perspective. Sure. They, they, they wouldn't, you know, they'll watch it. They haven't watched it yet, but they haven't like bugged me like the other one. You know what I mean? it, that, like I said before, I've seen Wakanda forever. Yeah. And again, for me, it's it's if I were a kid, that'd be it'd be, it'd be a very difficult film to to watch, understand? Because they're they're dealing with a, a super sensitive, difficult subject, right? And, and that's I, that's tough. I've I've watched it and I enjoyed it. Yeah. As as a grown man, as an adult, and you know, am I rushing out to watch it again? No, not just yet because right. it, it's it's a it's a lot. It was it was well done, and I'll I'll wait for it to come to Disney Plus next in February, right. and I'll and I'll watch it again. But it's it's lengthy, and there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy stuff that they're dealing with in that one. Um, but that kind of just goes with what we were talking about. Like we're here for the characters, and that yeah. film's an exception. Though. Yeah, I mean the, yeah. the, the guy who was playing that that main character. Well, I mean, even if you reprise the role, like and you give it to somebody else, right? Sure. Because uh, I think uh, Ryan Coogler, you know, kind of recently talked about how that he had a whole different state uh, script for that, and you know what happened happened. But yeah. you could have just, you know, like people do is like, hey, there'll, there'll be another Black Panther. I don't want to give you any spoilers for the film, but right, right. once you, you 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 have to see the film. Cause I, got, right, right. I don't want to give anything away, but gotcha. there's, there's some there's some important things that happen yeah. that that to me clarify why they didn't recast. No, I, I get it. But he he said it was a different script. <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. um so that's that's interesting, but I think that's part also the reason why I was like, hey, you know, if we don't see Black Panther kicking, hey, you know, the kids are <laughs> again. There's 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 explanation, and I think that's the reason. Spoiling, there's 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 gotcha. good explanation once you see the film. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm saying why they're not excited to be like, hey, let's go, let's go watch this film. Yeah, I I get that. Again, yeah. it was that's a that's a rough one. That's that's a very rough situation. Yeah. Very that's unique. tough. We've, we've never quite been faced with right situation like that mm-hmm. uh-huh. um but yeah so that was that whole argument about the marvelization of hollywood mm. um i don't know you know are, are there any what are, are there some marvel movies coming out 2023 uh the next one will be ant-man and the wasp quantum mania okay with uh our man uh jonathan majors playing kang the conqueror who who is he's the big bad of this next phase of, of nice. films because nice. we have the king dynasty coming up um but yeah uh quantum mania this year guardians of the galaxy volume three will be this year oh wow okay um um we should get secret wars? invasion mm-hmm. that'll be a disney plus thing mm-hmm. uh secret wars i'm, I'm still not, uh, armor war excuse me that was going to be a series that's now being made into a movie i don't know if that's coming out this year or not yeah, I think those are the main those are the main three films for this year, and then what? multiple Disney Plus things. Is Blade coming out this year? No, Blade got delayed. Lord, like, like the director walked on that, and they had to get a new director. Holy in smokes! And have to rework the script. That, that, this stuff happens. It's it happened does before. It's Hollywood. It happens. Huh? Yeah. So yeah. So Blade, especially with these big properties, IP, just like a. Hey. Yeah, I mean, Edgar Wright walked on the original Ant Man because they, as, as the MCU grew, they had to change the script to to fit the the larger MCU, and they changed the vision of uh, what he had 
originally planned. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was actually um, waiting for that one. I was waiting for Blade. I'm waiting for it too. Yeah, yeah. Hershla Ali. Well, the other ones excite me, but yeah, that one I was actually like, okay, I can't wait to see that one. Yeah, that'll once I'm, I'm like, hey, as long as you do it right, you know, make it uh-huh. make it excellent. Then uh, I'm I'm fine with waiting. There's a lot of content out there, so I'm like, true. Just do it, do it, do it great because you got fantastic talent in Mahershala Ali. He just absolutely almost everything he touches is like gold. So yeah, he'll 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 be an awesome blade. I was actually watching some of the animated series um, mm-hmm. the, and the anime animated series of of Blade that came out a couple of years ago. Oh really? Yeah, that one's. Okay. That's that's just right for for Blade his style mm-hmm. what he needs he needs something. What was that what platform is that one on? That um it? I actually purchased it off Amazon uh-huh. last year as a 10 part uh series. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, very dark. Okay. Very appropriate for Blade. Yes, right by Ali. Uh man, what you been watching? What movies you been watching? I'm going to kind of breeze through this cuz we have quite a bit to cover as we, we cover we uh, do. our top 10 films from I'm 1998 to 2008. That's right. I'm amped up on Vitamin Energy Water hey. and Hershey's. Yes, sir. <laughs> Cut a check. No. Okay, all right. So uh, I watched on Netflix um, the sequel to Knives Out called Knives Out Glass Onion. Mm. Star-studded cast. And um, yeah, pretty awesome. Great, great, uh-huh. great twist. But I, I'd recommend watching it when you're not tired because we, my sister and my brother-in-law, we started watching it. My, my nephew, we started watching it like during two, the holidays. Uh-huh. And it was kind of late at night. And the first part is like building up a lot, and we were kind of kind of tired. And we had to stop. When we came back to it mm-hmm. a couple of days later, and watched it, and it was like, oh. did y'all start over? Or did y'all start what y'all picked up from? No, we started. We maybe like fifth, maybe like ten minutes before where we had left yeah. off, and then it boom, and then it just took a turn. Like, oh snap! It was it was okay. good though. It we was, almost watched that one, but I saw like the length of it. I was like, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna wait. Yeah, watch it when you're when you're away because you want to you want to catch the details okay. because it's very good. Who done it? Um, Similar to the first one, but different. Okay. Yeah, I saw Ed Norton on that one. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Dave Batista. Um, of course, we've got Benoit LeBlanc, played once again by Daniel Craig, yeah. our generation's James Bond. Boom. And, of course, we also have the the lovely and the oh-so-talented Miss, um, I'm blanking on her name. Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Yes, of course. I, I couldn't I couldn't find it. <laughs> Where are you? Yes. It was great. She's she's fantastic in the film. Okay. Um, over the holidays, got several things I was watching here, but uh, we watched the Adams Family, the old school one. Okay. From the nineties, so watch that one. Force I forced the family to watch it. Okay. My wife never seen it. My kids are watching it. It's funny, like how timing is different nowadays compared to like the nineties. Watching the film at first, at first they were like all oh, bored, and so I'm like, I don't even watching this. And then finally, we got through the whole film, and then it was like. That wasn't so bad, mm. uh, but I wanted them to get a taste of that because they wanted to watch the Wednesday film ah. on Netflix. How was that? Solid. Okay, I've been I've been yeah. eyeing it because it's being advertised like crazy. Plus, our girl Jenna yep. Ortega from Scream, yeah, five, yeah, is yeah. Uh, is in the mix. So yeah, she pulls it off. Christina Ricci, is it Christy Ricci? Christina Ricci, Ricci, Ricci. She makes an appearance. Okay, so she's so she's in there, you know. Um, and she's a staple. She's in every episode for yeah, mostly every episode. So it is a show, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, solidified show. Excellent. I'll, I'll be checking that out probably this week. Yeah, it's been one of the kind of like top 
performers on the platform. Yeah, I see it constantly up there. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to see what's up with Miss Wednesday. Yeah, so pretty solid. It's um, it's dark, of course. Has um, the company the comedy isn't as like turned up as the movies were sure. from the '90s. It, it's kind of turned down a little bit. It feels like uh, it's kind of understated. Yeah, kind of dry, a little dry humor yeah. worked in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but the kids they they've been digging it. So especially my older one, um, they're kind of falling in the lane of like the Stranger Things and kind of like the dark world and like kind of seeing what kids do in high school. So that's why they're kind of drawn to like Cobra Kai and Stranger oh, yeah. Things and speaking to the generation. Absolutely, that's, that's like they're taking stuff like, oh, I could take this and yeah, see this at school or relate to it or I, I feel this way or yeah, that's just that's watching how it goes. Yeah, and just watching younger people just handle difficult situations. Because I asked him, I said, are people actually bullying like that in, in school? And he's like, not really. Because <laughs> you Cause see it, like Cobra Kai, it's like, it like turned up. Those like, kids right. would all be suspended. <laughs> or in juvenile. Oh, oh, man, locked up. One yeah. of them did make it there, didn't he? Yeah, but it, it would be, the police would be, the police in that town are failing them pretty bad. <laughs> Cobra Kai, like those places would have been. Hey, everybody, everybody, everybody's going to jail. Okay, <laughs> everybody's going to jail. <laughs> Larusso's they got money. Okay, we'll give you a pass. But uh, everybody else. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I finished up Lovecraft Country on oh. HBO Max. I went back to it. How many episodes is it? It's ten episodes. How many minutes per? Forty-five to an hour. Ooh, yeah. Okay, it's a lot. But I, I'd only watched like two episodes previously at the very oh. beginning and then I took like a two year like hiatus and <laughs> yes. I, finally, I was like no man I want to finish this thing yeah so I started watching it dude Lovecraft Country is it is a lot it is and I say that I say that in a in a, in a, in a good way yeah but like my brain was like because really? it's 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 dark it's 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 mythic with spiritual with with elements of technology with mm-hmm. elements of kind of afrofuturism oh all the things we like yeah it's all these things it's it's brilliant okay and it but it feels like almost like a overload but again in a good way okay um but yeah it's definitely not for kids okay um, but <laughs> disclaimer yeah but it's it's something, man. I've I've never seen anything like, it. and it's. I'm like, man, the visual effects in it are, and the lighting, incredible. Yeah. I'm like, how much did they spend on this show? Maybe that's why I didn't get another season because they had to spend. <laughs> they spent all the budget, dude. Yeah, it's it's on the screen. It is on the screen. Like there are there are some visual effects I've never seen before. What that they, that they do? That's yeah. that's hard to say. Like you can't just say that. I, yeah, some visual effects I've never seen before. Yes, there's a there's a this transformation effect that happens. I've never I've never seen done before. Maybe you've seen it before. I haven't personally That's seen great. it done in that kind of way, mm-hmm. um, or at that level. But yeah, it's again, it is. It's very graphic. The whole show is very graphic in a violent kind of way. Yeah, violence. There's 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 it, it kind of like in the way that Watchmen was. You're gonna get a the yeah. series or the movie. Both. They're both. They both were graphic. They were. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, un- unflinching, but there's still a story in. There's still a story in it, and there's still, man, there's still there's meaning and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, Lovecraft Country, it's a lot. But I'm like, man, like it's wow. Because you get through one episode, and you're like, man, that was that was good. You're like, wow, how much more? It's a, it's it, wow. it, 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 you you feel. It's one of the things that's long, yeah. and you, you do feel it a little bit, but 
it's it's all it all connects. It's it's pretty powerful. But yeah, I love Craft Country, HBO Max. Wow. Not for the little ones, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> um I've been watching there's a limited series on Amazon called Coach Prime on Amazon Prime. Mm. I've seen the I saw it pop up on, on, on there. Have you been uh following Deion Sanders' recent career? No, not of late. Okay. You familiar well, so over the last three three years he he signed up to coach an hbcu jackson state mississippi and so it brought tons of attention to hbcus a lot of like celebrities you know famous people have been like you know telling their kids like, hey we're gonna go to you know hbcus historically black universities historically black college universities mm-hmm. and you know and so that's becoming a big deal so because uh, Deion Sanders, who's a Hall of Fame, well-known, charismatic guy. Everybody loves him. Right. He has brought a lot of attention to black colleges that normally they don't get a lot of press. You don't see them on ESPN. They don't really get coverage anymore. Right. Like the history of the black colleges were whenever it was the NFL was around, they would siphon <laughs> talent. You know, in order to to bid up these organizations, but now that all of the talent has now gone to historically white universities, the historically black universities have kind of been left out of the zeitgeist of America. Mm. So Dion brings the attention to Jackson State University, and so the things that makes it controversial is that now he's kind of knocking at the door like Nick Saban, the people like these well known white coaches at Alabama, like you know top tier universities, t- uh, talent that would normally go to that university. I was like, what's up, Coach Prime? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, like, top talent. Mm. And this is, like, unheard of. Like, this doesn't happen. Sure. And so now you're getting kids that are, like, that would be number one running, or number one running back in the country is going to Jackson State. His uh, Deion Sanders also has his son. His name is Shador, who's a quarterback of, of Jackson State University. He's quarterback in there. He has his other son, Shiloh, who's a defensive end. Uh, he has his daughter who is um, she plays basketball. So she's also at Jackson State University. He has his other son because he has five kids all together. He has one of his older sons, Deion Sanders Jr., who like does all of, like the social media and marketing and things like that. So you're following this family as he's literally making changes, you know, for black colleges and then like just setting a standard. And you can see like what makes a winner, a person, a winner and makes an organization a winner. And they've been kicking butt. One title, even one back-to-back titles, and so recently he got an offer at a what do you say? They have a name for it. It's not historically white college, but they're basically saying it's a white college, but it's an acronym. But I don't remember what the acronym is. So it's Colorado. Is it CU Colorado State Colorado University? I don't know. Ivy it's, League? No, um, no, no, not Ivy League, but um, basically saying that the the university is a white university. And so he's got an offer from one of these universities, Colorado State. And this is recent. This is recent development with over the last month. And it caused he took the offer. You know, he just recently took the offer. I think it's like five million dollars, something like that. I don't say the money was right. Money was right. Um, but any and not only that, he brought all his family. You know, like everybody, the whole package. Everybody's coming to your door. They just signed a Nike contract. It it's very, very interesting. Like his whole situation and some of it being documented on Amazon Prime. It's it's cool to see. You know, just seeing what it takes to be a winner. 
seeing what it takes to to have a family and have your family be winners. You know what I mean? And then being a leader of young men and of your family. It's, it's been great. Okay. Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Yeah, man. That's been that's been a good one. That's nice, been. nice. Uh, I also, I've, I, on your recommendation, I watched Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what? It was it was classic Pee Wee Herman. Right. And, but it was entertaining. Like, yes. I couldn't stop watching. I was like, this has all the Pee Wee tropes that I would expect. And, man, kudos and props to uh, Joe Maganello. Like, he just went like, all in he his, with his character, hundred percent Pee Wee. I was like, I see you, Joe. But I, but it was it was cool to see that that just him just like kind of having fun and just yeah. going zany with with, with Pee Wee. But I'm I'm shocked at how the the actor who plays Pee Wee Herman, uh, Paul, um, Paul is his first name, mm-hmm. but how he. He looks the same, bro. You know, bro. I know you got makeup on and all that kind of stuff. But you but it's hard to pull it off. For real. <laughs> it really is. But it was it was it was entertaining. If you if you grew up with Pee Wee Herman, maybe if you did, I don't know if you've watched it if your kids watched it with mm. you or like what, what they Not thought. this new one, no. Or any of the Pee Wees. No, mm. no. I'd be very curious to see what, what, what they think. Yeah. But um but yeah, the 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 the, op- the opening is classic Pee Wee getting out of bed and all these little gadgets to Right. Like, you know, I think they call it a gold rhubarb when, mm. like, you have these little mechanical things that one thing hits another and it causes nothing, like a big chain reaction of stuff. It's yeah. all it's all ridiculous, but that's that's Pee Wee's world. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was it was very that's entertaining. hilarious. Pee Wee's Big Holiday on Netflix. Yeah, I had the wife watching that, and she's just dying, especially when the parts when, you know, he's, like, in trouble, and he just starts yelling, and he has this high-pitched girl yell. Oh, the scream <laughs> yeah. that they that they superimpose over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just like yeah, that's that's pretty funny where they work, where they worked that in at. Yeah, it was it was entertaining, man. It was I was I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by. I, I enjoyed the three the three thieves that he encounters oh, yeah, like yeah, their, yeah. Their, their dialogue. It's it's that's it's great because all the all the he, everybody he encounters with different characters it reminds me a lot of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Absolutely, that's like I'm like okay, this has definite vibes to Pee Wee's mm-hmm. Big Adventure. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I did not expect to enjoy that film. I just randomly hit play. Yeah, when you recommended it, I was like, Pee-wee. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Let's do this. You only got one season to watch it, right? It's like, watch it now because you're not going to care about it in the next week or two. True, true. <laughs> um, there's a movie called Barbarian. Mm, I've been hearing about that. It's a key art. You see a woman like in a doorway in the background and then the rest is just all red. I've seen the trailer for that. Bro. So like the premise is a woman, she it starts out with her going to a Airbnb. Goes to an Airbnb, she's there, discovers there's the key isn't there, and there's a person already in there. It's a guy. And you know, he's like, How did this mix up happen? How did we both book the same Airbnb? Right. She decides to stay tonight. Trouble ensues. Yep. Saw that trailer, I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> No sir, get out. There's literally a line, not to give no spoilers, anything like that. But there's literally a line when she says, "Nope." <laughs> what? What? Where? Where did you watch this? On what platform? Uh where did we watch this? It's either. It was, I believe, it's HBO Max. I, I could be wrong. Let's look it up because I don't want to put the wrong thing out there. Okay, while you look that up, I'm going to mention I watched a couple of episodes of. Emily in Paris. Based on my mother's recommendation. Emily um, in Paris? Emily in Paris. It's That's a, random. It's a 
series, young Caucasian female, uh, marketing, smarty pants, marketing professional. Uh, her boss was really going to go to Paris for an assignment, but then all of a sudden finds out she's pregnant last minute. And so Emily goes now in Paris, not knowing the language at all, mm-hmm. but she's there to going to be there for months. Emily doing business. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of charming, but part of it, kind of ticks me off and then, and then the show kind of addresses this like you you go to another country not knowing the language yeah uh, and not even like taking I know it's last minute but you don't even take the time to study the the business culture of that country and then she's American right yeah, yeah come on yeah so American I'm like yeah, that, that's annoying but that's also being addressed in the show like the people are saying that but it's so it's interesting typical American yeah, it's it's interesting, but it's also charming at the same time. And okay. you know, she's got a boyfriend back in the states, but obviously, you know, she's you know, cute, cute white girl, professional, yada yada, and doesn't you know, all these handsome French men that are, you know, she's you know making eyes at yada. yada. So I don't know. I'm uh, three episodes in. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, will I? Will I? Will I stay with it? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I might. I might. I might. I might. Uh, I might watch a few more episodes. And lastly, I've also kind of gone back and I've watched some episodes of a of a older animated cartoon X-Men Evolution. Not to mm-hmm. be confused with X-Men from the early 90s that that, are, that everybody knows and loves from that time period. Mm-hmm. But this came out a couple of years later after after the movies had had begun to drop. This this show was probably early 2000s. It was okay. definitely early 2000s. Okay. Cuz even some of the characters their, their designs are are more reminiscent of the movie. But I never really got into the show when it was running then. But I I watched some more episodes. I'm like this is actually it was actually there's actually some pretty good episodes. Some, okay, yeah, it's been it was pretty entertaining. And okay, there's four I think it's four seasons in total. But what platform? Uh, Disney Plus. Wow. But yes, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. Uh, Barbarian. You can watch that on Watch on HBO. Yeah, All right. And who was in that? Justin Long, Bill Skarsgård. Okay, he's he was uh, Pennywise in it. Yeah. And uh, those crazy eyes. So, some of the producers from it are behind the, the Barbarian film. Well, and it performed well at the box office. Well, uh, directed by Zach Kreger. Well, yeah, man, I would. I it's interesting. It's uh, it um, it it seems fresh. Yes, fresh. Is it scary? Uh, uh. Is it scary or disturbing? It is disturbing. It has a few jump scares in it. Yeah, but it is in a horror. It's in a horror category. Is it hereditary? Disturbing? Oh no, 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 no. Okay, definitely not that. I've got to check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good questions though. I don't. Yeah, this one I don't feel like the devil directed it. Ah, okay. Good uh, the director is actually uh, used to be a comedian, and so. Um, Especially when Justin Long, when his character comes in, uh, we see his character coming a little bit later in the film. It's like refreshing to see just how the genre kind of kind of changes a little bit. All right, I'm interested. Let's let's all right. I'll I will check that out. Yeah, Barbary is good. Um, there's a man. I've been told you I've been watching stuff. So I know you have, man. We had this holiday break, so at two weeks. We appreciate y'all hanging in there. If you're making your commute to work or from work or somewhere, mm-hmm. keep listening. We got we got plenty more for you. There is a film called Don't Worry Darling, which is also on, you can watch this on HBO as well. Okay. Starring Harry Styles and Florence Pugh. 
Am I saying your name? Oh. Yes. Okay. I've, 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 it's in my queue. It's in my, on yeah. my list. I've been interested in watching that. Yeah. This one's good. It, um, it has, what themes are we dealing with here? Kind of like more of the popular themes or like what it means to be a woman or what's a man and like, what are their roles yeah, in society? Roles and kind of the family dynamic or marriage gender role dynamics. Yeah. And then like some real things that are happening in our society right now that the, um, I can say from an American standpoint with uh, some of the males are kind of dealing with specifically like white males are dealing with. And this is kind of, is addressed in this film in an indirect way. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. It, I, yeah. I like it. It's a little bit of drama mixed with a little bit of sci-fi. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I did. Yeah, I recommend it. Excellent. Excellent. What else you got? Uh, one last thing. Um, the show. Did I talk about this rap shit? It's called Rap Shit. No, I know that is on HBO. I've seen the title before on there. Holy smokes! Talking about bingeable. Really? Yes. <laughs> I didn't expect to like it. Like I didn't. I didn't expect it. This was a, a friend had recommended this. Uh, he's like, you got to check it out. So I'm like, fine, I'll check it out. Um, watched it with the wife and we just binged it all. Oh, like, what's like that? yeah, this was a couple of weeks ago and we checked it out and yeah, we knocked it out. Issa Rae's behind, you know, the production and all that. Uh, didn't expect to, I didn't really, I didn't really have that many expectations. I remember seeing the marketing for it, but I just wasn't really pulled in. Uh, so based on the recommendation, I was like, okay, let me go ahead and jump in. Pleasantly surprised. Can't wait for the next season. So what kind of show is it? Is this a sketch show? Is it, um, is it a rom-com? Is it a situational comedy? Wow. What would I say this is? This, it's episodic. It's um, it's not situ like kind of situational where it's just like, you know, waiting for the laughs or anything like that. But we're following two characters. Well, at least we're at least following one main character that turned into two characters um, that we're following. <laughs> we're following. That didn't sound right. I'm like, wait, is this sci-fi? <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me, me re-explain this uh okay we can say we're following two characters who are basically like in a somewhat midlife crisis two women who are like somewhat in a midlife crisis but they're younger but older you know like when you're in your like late 20s early 30s some people experience like the midlife crisis thing and that's kind of where they're at in their life and it's like okay where do we go you know from here and in their life it's um going towards the rap you know the you know they want to okay. follow they want to follow i don't her. think that's midlife crisis that's just called growing up that's like oh let me let me figure out what i want to do well it's it could be it depends on how you look at it it's like um it depends on how long you live yeah. if, you, if you die at 40 then you can say oh my, my, my i had a midlife crisis yeah because they say some 20s. people are having them earlier because of the expectations of when they should be successful and what is successful you know so it's like if you're not successful by 40 is 20 <laughs> you know what i mean you should be having that midlife crisis around like 25 right man right you get just a couple years out of college yeah That's which which some people expect that sure. you know it's maybe unrealistic but a lot of people feel like because they don't have life experience so they expect them to be multi-millionaires by the time they're 30 and things like right. that. there's like a lot of unrealistic expectations however that's put on whether that be by social media where that however they came to that conclusion and so because of that they have this additional pressure to pivot, make pivot. To, to make it mm -hmm. by this age 
I need to make it by this age because I feel like a loser. Da, da, da. So they're exp- so a, a FOMO, that fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what they're dealing with, you know, that just kind of like their real life stuff. Because especially when they when you see other people that are succeeding in the thing that you do, and you see them, like, man, I got more talent than that person. Why is that person uh, filling the blank? You know. So they're kind of feeling that. So I I didn't expect to really enjoy this, but uh, it's been pretty cool. How many episodes and how long is each episode? Each episode is about 30 something minutes. All right. And I don't remember how many it was, maybe six or eight or something like oh, that. Oh, that's, that's totally doable. Yeah, that's why we were able to binge it in one day. <laughs> one other thing I, I forgot to mention, I started to dive into because I've been doing a lot of old school stuff the past uh-huh. year. Okay. Like complete seasons of old school stuff. Oh. I started to watch Cheers on Hulu. <laughs> Yeah, well, everybody knows your name, but yeah. not many of those names are black oh, at all. I mean, oh, you, just the opening sequence is Lily White. Yeah, there actually is a black guy in the opening. <laughs> Where he's like, he, he's he's the front, he's the he's at the end of the bar. <laughs> I was like, hey, it's a black guy there. <laughs> Representation. He's probably behind trying to stay safe. I don't know, but anyway, it's uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> the show set in Boston, Boston. There you go. But uh, you know, I mean. I'm like this show is only four seasons, which kind of tripped me out because I know it was it was lauded and and all this kind of stuff back in the day, but only four seasons kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. So you know, episodes are only thirty minutes long, so I'm gonna power through power through those just to have it in my zeitgeist of show knowledge. Okay, yeah, I used to watch that, but kind of more just it was like playing in the background, like Mash, sure. like Mash and stuff yeah. like that. It was just playing like in the back in the day. Um. I think that's it for me. But yeah, the premise, I don't know if I gave rap, rap shit the proper uh, premise, but basically it's two estranged high school friends from outside Miami reunite to form an all-female rap group hoping to make it in the music industry. Okay. And if you follow like kind of like hip-hop culture or anything with that, it is so relevant of what's happening in today's culture in the music industry it is a trip. And also another thing, the style and what they shoot it with. So like you might be in the perspective of their social media of mm. their phone. So it's, it's, it's awesome that way. Like the style that it's shot in. That's oh. what makes it like real interesting. I'm like, man, they have like their whole style uh, okay. to this, to this show. So eh, it was a surprise. Very cool. Very cool. But uh, today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair, the movie by Grind of Matter Films, available to stream on all black TV. And of course, for free on both Tubi and Roku On Demand. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about the top 10 films. In our opinion, each of us, 10 films, in our opinion, from 1998 to 2008. And while we go through these films, if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there just may be spoilers. You've been forewarned. Thank y'all for hanging out with us this long. It's already been an hour, but it's cool. Welcome to the new year. That's right. (laughs) So who wants to go first? I will okay. I will concede. Okay. So um I'm kind of going by year on mine. You know, not in any particular order. Uh that these films that I that I've ranked not, not in any particular order. I'm just going 
for like just to make it easier for me going from 1988 to 2008. Out of curiosity, what was your criteria that you used to select your films? Criteria. Oh, you know what? I I don't know. I kind of based it more on like film. So like so I would take a film, say for example, I'm going to go over 1998. So 1988, I would why I would see what top films are in the comedy section from section from 1998. What are the top horror films? What are the top, you know, sci-fi, you know, I'll just kind of look through them and say, okay, which ones did I actually watch? Which ones did I watch? Which ones did I enjoy? And number one, did I watch it? <laughs> That's the criteria. For sure. <laughs> did I watch it? And then do I have, does it have like rewatchability for me? Do I want to like watch it again, you know, to, to put it in the top 10 list? You know, would I recommend it? Those kind of things that I think that's probably, that was, it was a light, light record, you know, criteria. Sure. Sure. But you still were systematic in your approach by going through and looking at categories of, of different films and, mm -hmm. and kind of where they set in their genre. Very cool. I did kind of a, a, a mix. Mm -hmm. I, I partially considered films that we've covered on the show, once again, coming back to knowing that yeah. like, we watched them and we analyzed them already. Yeah. Also took into account rewatchability. I also took into account the impact that the film had mm -hmm. on either culture or on films in general. Like, did it push something forward? Did it oh. did it set something off? Yeah. And also, I took into account uh, how it how it performed from a critical uh, critical oh. standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I, I went through and I looked at the Academy Awards. I looked at the top films. 98 all the way to 2008. Actually, I went from, I looked at from 98 to 2009 mm -hmm. because what came out in 2008 would have been, you know, awarded in 2009. So I looked at those years to see what the top films were, mm -hmm. what, what, what got best picture and what were the nominees. And that also sparked influenced a little bit. Okay. Right. Because some of those, and, and some of those films I've seen. Yeah. And we have, they don't, we haven't covered it on the show, but I've seen and they had, had impact. And so that all those factors went into, into my list that's pretty good also like some some sometimes a film may not perform well at the box office but it kicks butt at the oscars so exactly it has artistic you know value very true sometimes you discover films after you've heard about them at the Oscars. oh maybe i should check it out check it out it's won 15 <laughs> awards i mean oh man no. what's How the big deal let's check this rocky movie out <laughs> 30 years later <laughs> hey Ew. Better late than never. So nineteen ninety eight. I mean a lot was going on. Um this is high school years for me. Um graduation year of high school for me. And very influential. So anything that I'm watching and I'm really into, it's gonna probably stick with me. So nineteen ninety eight, ninety-nine and ninety eight, ninety nine are really years where I was watching some films or in anything that I was interested to, it stuck with me. Mm. Uh so in nineteen ninety eight. I went with the film Rush Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, culturally, everybody was talking about uh, from a music standpoint. I mean, it would, I mean, this, this, if you were a teenager when Rush Hour came out, this thing was everywhere. True. Had, had the, the, the right group hitting off with the, the theme song, Drew Hill. Yeah. You know, Drew Hill in the, in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. It was a R&B. They were, they were killing it. That first album had so many hits off of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the, that was the right group to. Uh, and then you had also the Jay-Z song that, that was popular for the people that were in hip hop at the time. Can oh, yeah. I get a whoop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that time I was already, I was at school. Yeah. Oh, yeah and, and yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. 
And Andrew Hill's second CD had come out also at that time as well yeah. because that song, How Did You Love Me, was, was on their second CD as well. That yeah. was Into Into the Drew. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a good time. I mean, and it gives the movie like extra legs, you know, when, when you have music that's hitting like that. But that, that was also a time where soundtracks were just crushing it. Yeah. Any soundtrack to a, that, that had hip hop and R&B in it, Back in, man, whether it was the wood, whether man, it was, it, it goes, you could just buy a soundtrack and just let the whole thing play. Yeah. It was just great soundtrack. Soul food, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Yeah. So, Fresh Hours, was, it, it was a breakout hit. We just covered that film. I didn't expect to pick it for 1988. I had a couple of rush, a couple of. Honorable mentions? Yeah, honorable mentions. Do you, want, do you want to do that or do you want to go to your movie before I go to honorable mentions? Uh, go ahead and throw out some of your honorable mentions because I know you had them kind of lined up with the year. So okay, some of my honorable mentions from that year, the movie Belly that came out, directed by Hype Williams, music video director. Everybody knows his his style. That whole movie was like creating a style and just for like urban movies in quotations, that, that was like the underground hit that everybody was talking about. Um... There's another film by uh, called Rushmore, uh, Wes Anderson. For whatever reason, <laughs> I was watching that film like back to back <laughs> during that time. Really, I have no idea why, but it's in it's in my psyche. I just watched that film. Maybe it reminded me of my high school a little bit. Maybe that's why I was watching Rushmore. I mean, my my high school at the time was Lily White, so maybe that's why. You know, it kind of reminded me of my own high school. Interesting. And uh, another one, uh, Players Club, Ice Cube. Ah, that one. I mean, that from like urban movies. I mean, that one. Everybody was talking about that. Film. True. Everybody true. wants to make a player's cup. Mm. Uh, but that's what I had for like runners up. Okay. Okay. All right. So my first film on my list. I'm actually in all those films. Sorry to cut you off. Sure. I've probably watched over six times. Each one of those films, I probably watched over six times. Wow. Okay. And very diverse. That is nice. Nice mix of of films. Again, I'm not going in chronological order. Uh, but the first film I have on my list that I'm going with is 2008. And if y'all know me, y'all know I, I, I love some uh, uh, heroes and comic book films, all that good stuff. Resident nerd here. So mine is 2008's I know what that is. Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> this one not only was a resurgence in the career of one Robert Downey Jr., but directed by John Favreau. Starring, again, RDJ, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jeff Bridges, Terrence Howard, originally cast as James Rhodey uh, Rhodes. Our man. Yes, sir. Nominated for two Academy Awards, both in sound editing and achievement in visual effects. And, of course, we find at the end of the film, when one Samuel L. Jackson shows up as a Nick Fury, it just it broke fanboys' minds everywhere yeah. when he says he wants to talk about the Avengers initiative. Yeah. I cannot tell you what that did for me, grown man <laughs> in the theaters, <laughs> hearing the words Avengers yeah. in a movie. That's something I never thought I would hear. Yeah. Like again, I you know from from you know little Casey reading Wizard magazine as a yeah. kid and, and reading casting casting call um, featurettes in that magazine where they would they would make predictions as who they would cast in different movies or they would do this movie and that movie. I never I never thought Avengers would happen. Right, never. And so when he said that, and the fact that it was Samuel Jackson 
who who had been taken from the pages of the Ultimates comic books, which were reimagining and updating of of comics with more modern themes for you know for new audiences, and the fact they made characters look like real life people. And Nick Fury in that universe, who yeah. had he had previously been white for decades, yeah, and now they made him actually black and look exactly like Samuel Jackson. So when he showed up in the movie and it was Samuel Jackson, I was like, "What is going on, <laughs> my brain?" <laughs> I I squealed like a schoolgirl. I was like, oh "My God, they're doing it! They are making a freaking connected universe of film." So yeah. Iron Man, and this is a film that it's it's it is rewatchable. RDJ is Tony Stark, and now yeah. that we have the full arc of of, of his arc in films, right. it's it's really awesome to be able to go back and see where he starts. And it, the film still still holds up, you know yeah. that design, those effects. Yeah, my kids love film. that one. Uh, my oldest son he loves going back to the original one and yeah. just kind of seeing how it developed. And then I'm glad that arc of that character landed. You know, yes, stuck its landing. Absolutely, man, it is a beautiful thing. But yeah, that one is 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 the bedrock of the of the MCU. The very first Iron Man. Uh, as far as runner up, I'll say for around that time period, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention uh, two films. One, they're both they're both Christopher Nolan films. Right. One being Batman Begins, mm-hmm. which is arguably my favorite Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And that came out in 2008? Oh, that's from 2005. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Which was a re a reboot of of the Batman franchise which okay. had kind of tanked in the late 90s after Batman and Robin. Mhm. And then of course The Dark Knight, which yeah. came out the same year as Iron Man. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And uh, which is I mean obviously you know um and rest in peace Heath Ledger, but he of course won his Academy Award uh posthumously after his passing but those were runner-ups but um i really i really enjoy batman begins dark knight is really good i know a lot of people really revere and love that but yeah batman begins is a is an awesome film as well but that yeah. didn't quite hit like a iron man yeah iron man um two uh 1999 probably one of the best years in film during the 90s yeah and probably for Probably for a while, because I don't know if people just thought that 2000, like the bug was going to hit. And it's like, we got to get the best stuff out right now before 2000 hits because the end of the world's coming. Mm. I don't know. But 1999 was great. What you got? So the movie I picked, The Matrix. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I, I totally m- missed and didn't even think about The Matrix. But uh, yeah, has to be on the top 10 list of 90s are you kidding me mm. like that changed cgi um the bullet time look oh yeah um the metaphysical way you approach like some metaphysical stuff like they brought things to cinema that people weren't even really thinking about game changer for sure yeah man sci-fi it's that was great that one is is a great film and i remember just watching that over and something about that film it's, I don't know if it's magical, whatever you want to call it, but I'm drawn to it. When I was I was watch, uh, working at Sears at the time, I was in high school, and we used to have all of the big screen TVs, and it would just play it over and over again. And I'll just stop every time, like just in awe, like, what is this? Wow. So you didn't see it in theaters? I did see it in theaters, but I just can't. Even after watching it in theaters, like, this is great. 
I watched. I wa- I didn't see it in theaters, but I watched it. I was at a friends of a friends house. Yeah. You know, you go hang out and you end up like at this, somebody's friends friends mm-hmm. house, whatever. It was one of those situations, and they put this this film in. Yeah, I was like, I remember seeing the trailers, but it, it didn't interest me at the time. And I, and I was like, I remember watching. And I was like, what? <laughs> Is this? It was. It was pretty amazing to see. Yeah, I, I wish I had seen it in the theaters. That would have been quite an experience. Yeah, man. Something about that film. It resonated with me. I was just like, this is deeper than the surface. Mm. Something else is going on here. Um, Runner ups for nineteen ninety nine. Fight Club. What? Uh, Brad Pitt, Ed Norton. That one. We again. That's another one we watched over and over again. Uh, another one. American Beauty. Mm. That one was. I mean. Uh, Oscars I'm sure they were nominated I can't remember oh, yeah. what, it, what, it, what it was I don't know if we covered American Beauty but we, did, we have not we haven't we, that one needs to be covered um, and Eyes Wide Shut mm. yikes oh yeah so speaking of Fight Club I actually had that on my list so let me Ooh. dive into that a little bit okay. so Fight Club 1999 David Fincher we covered that in episode 23 go back and check it out starring yeah. Brad Pitt Edward Norton Helena Bonham Carter with one of the f- Inappropriate but funniest lines uh, in a while in the film. That had one Academy Award nomination, but that is a film I didn't see originally in theaters. Yeah. I didn't see it until until we really we connected and you uh-huh. you you mentioned it multiple times and I finally checked it out and I was like, yo, this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, that one is is on my list as far as just Im- impactful films uh, during this this ten year period of two thousand eight to two. Excuse me, from 98 to 2008, Fight Club. Absolutely, yeah. It, it Sometimes it's hit or miss. It could be Matrix, it could be Fight Club, but I'm going to stick with Matrix, that one. But man, they were, they were, they were coming with it in 1999, bro. So I, what I'll also say, um, I'm going to mention uh, two of my 1999 runner-ups. Ooh. So one for me is Any Given Sunday. That was good. Heck yeah, man. Oliver Stone, like I, I, man, like sports movies can be just so inspirational and itchy. But that movie, when I saw that in theaters, I was like, I didn't play football in junior high or in high school. But that got that film got me amped. I was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> the 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 cast, the soundtrack. Me, yeah. me and a buddy of mine, we used to you know jam out to mysticals. Jump, jump. <laughs> yeah, man. And L L Cool J's, get off me, get, get, get home me. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's just stuff. Oliver Stones. This film, it just man, it's 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 vicious. It's unflinching, unrelenting. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Foxx, steaming Willie Beeman. <laughs> Uh, you know, you got you know LT actually the the legend LT actually in yeah, the film you yeah. know acting, and of course you've got you've got the man himself Al Pacino, uh, Al Pacino <laughs> with all his Pacinoisms. Uh, yeah, yeah. W- wonderful film, man. Any given Sunday, which we also covered on the podcast. I didn't jot down the episode number, but let me get that to you. And that was during a time where we were covering a lot of football movies. So, you know, remember the Titans? Exactly. Uh, Friday Night Lights. And what's the one with The Rock? Gridiron Gang. Um, yeah, well, it was a good time. That was a good run. And that, that Any Given Sunday is episode 71 of Filmmaker Commentary. Check it out. Also... Uh, another runner-up for me, uh, when we talk about 1999, Sixth Sense. Dude. One M. Night Shyamalan. 
Bring in. That's another film that I didn't. That should have made my theaters. list. That should have made my runner-up list. That one was solid. Yeah, it's one of those things where again, if you if you've never seen Sixth Sense, I'm not going to give away the the ending, even though we're almost you know we're twenty some years yeah. out. But sometimes you have blank spots. I didn't see the film until years later, uh, decades later, honestly. Yeah. And oh really? Yeah. Oh. And when I finally saw it, I was like, and I think I, I may have avoided it being spoiled. How? I, I don't know, but I was lucky. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna not. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it for anybody else. But you might need to teach but, somebody how to go through life without getting spoiled. La 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 la. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I did, but um, maybe it was spoiled, or I, I didn't pay enough attention. But yeah. when I watched it, I was still like, "Were you like? Was you like <gasps> legitimately surprised?" Yes. What? Yes, I was. I was like, "What the heck?" It's it's very well done. If you haven't seen Sixth Sense, don't tell anybody you haven't seen it. Just go and watch it. Yeah. And 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 be. Ready for a, 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 an awesome ending, which Shyamalan would come to be known for. Yeah, and he's filmed some great, great endings. But those are my two runner-ups. Um, yeah, yeah, that started becoming his thing. You know, it's like, how can I? It's like, man, you only get one of those, bro. If you can land it again, great. But uh, you get kind of one of those per career where yeah. you just grand slam. <laughs> yeah, that one. That was one of the biggest. You know, that's that's one of the fun things when you watch a film and at the end there's a twist that you just that you didn't see. That's one of the best feelings. That's why yeah. you know people get very sensitive about spoilers because you can't you can't get back a surprise. Bruh. Remember when you were telling me that somebody um spoiled one of the Marvel movies? One of the they, most they, recent. They, they tried to in the theater. I'd already luckily I'd gone the night before because I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm, I'm a good Christian man, but I I would have <laughs> Thrown hands. <laughs> Don't try me. Try Jesus. Cause I throw hands. Man, I would have I would have lost it. It would have been not a good look. That was mm. spoil my movie? Man, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. I was like, you're a terrible, terrible man. <laughs> I have people out here just wilding. Oh man. Now we go into the two thousands. Yes, sir. Um speaking of M. Night Shamlon. Unbreakable. Oh, that's that's on one of my um, honorable mentions. Um, that film is um, probably one of the part of one of the best trilogies, right? Um, and like original, you know, original content this isn't based on any other IP. This yes. is pen and paper. This is this man coming up with an idea and executing um, with the uh, with superheroes. Basically, yes. and before you know where we are today, where like that's normal, you know, seeing the superheroes, but seeing it from this standpoint of you know, we could have superheroes living amongst us, exactly. And it's one of those things where it's, it's and it's done effectively fairly low budget, yeah. you know, low budget, low key, but just dramatized, well acted. And that's the that's the thing that I love about the the medium of, of the hero, the, the tale of the hero is not exclusive to the quote unquote superhero. Right. You can go to Greek mythology, you can go to pirates, you can go, you know, wartime, but there are heroes, you know, everywhere and they can be, yeah, in, in everyday life. And M. Night Shyamalan did a brilliant job of bringing that out, but not, you can't have a hero without a foil. Yeah. And, and this is a great origin story for how that happens. And once again, wait till the end. <laughs> but, <laughs> because this is literally like a year later, right? Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, I, I when I saw Unbreakable, I was like, ah, yeah. "What? What?" Yeah, absolutely. Because I saw that one before Sixth Sense, so that was my first introduction to M Night. Yeah, man. Yeah, I 
incredible, man. That was that could that easily could have been in my top ten, but I tried to I tried to keep it comic book light, even though but that was kind of. Like, but it's so it's so it's so it's based a, on it's so ba- I mean it, the tropes and all that. Yeah. It's a it to me that's a that's a even those original IP like this is a, this is a, a a hero film. Yeah, lower budget, but this is still a and it came super before all the other joints. You oh know, yeah, so it was like man, it's kind of taking a risk on it. So almost like a de- I wouldn't say a deconstruction, but but yeah, it's it's well done. Yeah, wonderful story. Runners up for for that year only had a couple, and this this one could have probably easily been on the number one of for me for two thousand Gladiator. Oh, we covered that. I don't remember what episode, but we covered that one. That's on my. That's actually on my list. Um, so that's you know, I was kind of debating it. I was like, man, is it Gladiator or is it Unbreakable? But I, um, yeah, that was episode forty-seven. Boom. Um, and, but also too, I just recently seen Gladiator. Um, whereas at that time, I the year that this came out, I watched it. You know those films. So I watched Unbreakable, and then another one, Snatch, uh, with Brad Pitt. That one was just one. It was just a fun film uh, mm. to watch. Snatch, Brad Pitt. Uh, is it uh, Guy Ritchie? Hopefully I'm saying we covered that. that one also. Did we? I think, I'm pretty sure we did. Snatch? Yeah. We covered that. It must have been an early episode. No, maybe we didn't. Okay. Because I'm typing it into... Uh... Oh, I'm mistaken. My bad. It's all good. Um, but that was just one of those films that... Uh, like Some of those like gangster films at the time. was watching a lot of those. So like it was like... Yeah, we were watching the belly stuff, and then you got this, like the white gangster film. So it was, it was just interesting to see. Uh, it was good. It was cool. Mm. Uh, but Unbreakable broke through the pack. It's cool to see, like some stuff that you have on your honorable mention. I have in my list, and some stuff that's in my honorable mentions you have on your list. So it's yeah. like it's like like it's like it's like stuff still being covered again. Yeah. We we haven't seen each other's lists. Just yes. to let y'all know, like I I'm, I am hearing his his list. He's hearing mine, both list and honorable mentions as we do this. Absolutely. So that's kind of cool. So speaking of Gladiator, boom, that is on my list for two thousand. Um, it's on my top ten. So, of course, directed by the great Ridley Scott. Yep. This was covered again in episode 47 of Filmmaker Commentary, starring Russell Crowe, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Jaman <laughs> Hansu. Uh, this was nominated for a total of 12 Academy Awards Legit. and won five of them, Legit. which is mad impressive. This has to be Ridley's most uh, critically acclaimed film. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Sword and sandals. <laughs> Sword and sandals. And it's uh it's it's awesome. Great performances. Joaquin Phoenix and Father, there are other virtues. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss the battle? Mm. Did I miss the war? Are you not entertained? <laughs> right, there are some, you know, lines that, that that have carried through, but it's you talk about a hero's journey, like this is you know Maximus, like you know the the name you you just get behind this guy and is his you you empathize with where this guy is going and it's mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's all very, very well done and impactful. And it's, an, it's, an, it's an epic. True. That, that unfolds. Again, this is one of those films, again, I, I didn't see in the theaters, but I, I would I would, I would like to have seen this in the theaters. Oh, if this were to be re-released in theaters, I would go and see it in the theater. Yeah. It's a little spectacle. It was good. But yeah, once again, um, Gladiator. Episode 47. Boom. 
Um, Let me throw out a, 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 a runner-up. A runner-up. Runner Actually, you know what? Yeah, you know, I will. I will throw out a, a runner-up since we're, we're in the... This was a, a film from 2000. Mm-hmm. This, uh, I'm going to mention a Remember the Titans. Man, that was good. I mean, just recently covered that one. Oh, Man. not recently, but we've covered that one. Yes, we did. That was episode 74 yeah. of Filming a Commentary. Just a man. We talk about a film that makes you makes you feel good. Yeah, it, it's just a, you know, a, a great. I think it's a fantastic family film. Yeah. Whether you're into sports or not, you just watch this film and it 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 addresses family and being a part of a team and it addresses race and you know camaraderie and coming together. Yeah. How do we come? How do we come together? This film hits it. It's that's one of those magical films. It's like they they figured it out. Yes, agreed. But remember the Titans. <laughs> 2001 was also a good year for blockbuster films. Well, huh. this was this was interesting. I decided to go with Training Day. Hey, that <laughs> is on my honorable mentions. I had it I had it on the list. Yeah. And I like, yeah, and I nested to honorable mentions. Training Day 2001. I mean, you got Dr. Dre doing the score. You have Denzel Washington, who has been a good guy up to this point. Squeaky clean. Has become the villain and is one of the best villains we have ever seen. I run this. <laughs> Y'all just live here. King Kong. <laughs> Woo. Talk about breaking bad. Denzel broke bad. He did. But walked away with a statue. Man. Goodness. He, I mean, so many quotable lines. The Oscar, um, a fantastic parody by Dave Chappelle and Wayne Brady on the Dave oh. Chappelle show. Again, ironically enough, I saw the parody before I saw the movie. Wow! And I thought the parody was hilarious. I would because I was a big Wayne Brady fan, and I was watching him like, wow, wow this is so crazy seeing him do this. Uh -huh. And then I'm like, oh wait, this is all oh, parody off of Training Day. Yeah. I'm like ah, but skit. The skit kind of stands on its own, especially um, just pop culture. People that only know Wayne Brady for being this particular guy. Mm -hmm. Just clean cut, conservative, you know, just generic American, happy go lucky to, you know, he's always going to do what's right to all of a sudden just being this. Holy crap. Wayne Brady cusses. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was all a surprise for everybody, and it was great. It was yeah. It was it was it was a wonderful uh, skit and characterization of uh, one Wayne Brady. It's kind of it's kind of sad too that how um, how uh, actors can be boxed in mm -hmm. um, because we only see them a certain way, and we and because of that we only assume that's that's their thing. That's what they do. But uh, they're actors, right? They they are they are pretending to be other people for a living, and and even at times they're. You know, media appearances. They are there to promote another product, and so they're they're kind of constantly having to watch themselves. You know, it's, I mean, at times athletes deal with some of that. I mean, a lot of that as well. <laughs> but with actors, yeah, it's about promoting that next project. And because uh, he was mainly TV, a TV guy. It's, oh yeah, uh, TV and music. He, he's a, a more like improv at the time. Like a lot yeah. of improv. Whose line is it? All yeah. of that. And, TV, just TV stuff. Oh yeah, and so. Yeah, that was, that was great though to see. I was like, "Dang, what?" It just blew everybody away. That was sad and funny at the same time. Oh yeah. Uh, but Training Day, it's uh, like like we were saying that that was just a great for pop culture. Seeing Denzel play a villin, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ethan Hawke, the rookie, 
man, the recent yeah. transfer that transcend. We went back to watch this film, and I can't remember which episode. I got you. Okay, but going back to watch that, we were so amazed by this movie. Episode sixty-eight, when Antoine Fuqua's Training Day, and um, and rewatchable to this day. Very much so. And of course, the lovely Eva Mendez as well. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All uh, right. Do you want, you want me to go through the runner up? Okay. Hit him up. Hit him up. Runner up, Ocean's Eleven. Ooh, nice. Yes. Nice. Was that Steven Soderbergh in that one? I don't know. Um, we have, speaking of Russell Cole, A Beautiful Mind. That is Soderbergh from Soderberg. Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a well-crafted film, Ocean's Eleven. Um, a Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. I think that was a, a darling at the Oscars that year. And an offbeaten film based off a comic book, Ghost World, starring Scarlett Johansson. That film was not well-known, but it was, I don't know how it got on my radar, but I would watch it over and over again. It's just, huh. I have no idea why. I just did. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. There's just a film that was just in my wheeled weird world at that time gotcha okay okay um any other ones in your that's my runners up for 2001 okay my next film is actually from 2000 and it is christopher nolan's memento starring guy pierce carrie ann moss of matrix fame and joe uh pantoliano pantoliano of um Angry police captain slash chief from Bad Boys. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. I had two uh, Academy Award nominations. This film, I think you introduced me to this film, mm-hmm. and I watched it, and it blew my mind. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you talk about a psychological trip of someone who can't create new memories. It's a guessing game until the very end. Uh, just amazing, amazing. Uh, film by Christopher Nolan. I think groundbreaking. We covered it in episode 61, the filmmaker commentary, but yeah, Memento, um, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Amazing performance by, by Guy Pierce and directing and story by Christopher Nolan. Check it out if you have not. Yeah, I probably should have made my runner up list. Um, I think at the time I didn't watch, I didn't watch that one until later on mm-hmm. uh, when I started studying Christopher Nolan, but yeah, that's one of those ones that I, I don't watch over again you know it's one of those things like okay i'm gonna come back and, you know but i yeah i think one is done i would like to see how the movie plays from the big from the end to the beginning if somebody re-edited it ah I'm sure you could probably look on youtube and somebody's done it i'm sure somebody has it'll probably make the movie make sense but it kind of goes with the theme of what christopher nolan always does and he's dealing with timeline stuff mm. but this is kind of that early experimentation Time. you know but but in order for you to get a uh film like um through this one with David, uh, David uh, Washington. Um, David Washington? Oh, Tenet? Yeah, Tenet. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, uh, oh, God. I mean, uh, that's an unfortunate film because it came out during the COVID. I wish that if it released in today's environment, uh, more people will be talking about how brilliant that film is. It is pretty brilliant. But, um, but yeah, well, what, what you got next, sir? So yeah, Inception. You know, you know, dealing with time. Oh yeah, I forget that was Nolan. Oh yeah, man, that one's I haven't seen since I saw it in the theaters. I, I, that'd be worth revisiting. 
Absolutely. How they deal with time. Yeah. At any rate, 2002. Um, a lot of good films on here. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with David Fincher's Panic Room. Okay. Panic hey. Room. We covered that on episode... 22 of filmmaker commentary wow one and early panic room um i i didn't watch it at the time that it came out however when i started studying david fincher's probably like 2008 2009 somewhere around that time um came across panic room and i was just like wow seeing how david fincher pre-visualizes his story and how from the computer to like just dialing it in. I don't know. They panic room kind of stuck with me a little bit. Um, if now, if, as far as like runner ups, if I don't know, too, you got minority report that, that one, I watched that quite over and over again. Um, Eminem and eight mile. I was kind of into like the hip hop and all that stuff. That one, I mean, that one was in the Zykus. Um, if, I have not watched this film. It's called City of God. That's on my list to watch as a filmmaker. But I have a feeling if I had watched City of God, it might be on this list, uh, like official, like top list. That's the one that's um, shot in Brazil. Yeah, I have that one on. on I have that on Blu-ray. Have you watched it? I have. I, I, I bought it and watched, <laughs> watched it. Yes, just asking. I you watched. Know? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. I got some DVD, some Blu-rays. I ain't watched yet. I watch them. I buy it. I'm watching it. So, uh, yeah. Does that a standout film? Two thousand two. I watch it. It 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 is good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. But it's also you know it's a man. It's been a long. I watched it. I watched it years ago. Yeah, like that one's always like on like filmmaker maybe, list. It's always on like the like recommended for filmmakers to watch and things like that. So I was like, I have a feeling like I, that's kind of more like uh, I want to mention that only because I, I haven't. Not, excuse me, not runner up of films that I've, that I've seen, but just like, man, I just wonder, like, I wonder if that would be on my list had I seen that film in that year. No, I, I watched it. It doesn't stick with me. Boom. So probably not. Yeah, but that was my experience. But I mean, I might, I mean, go back and check it out again. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, it's where you're at in life, whatever the case may be. But I was taking in a lot of films during that time. Yeah. Um, another one of my films from that year is Cabin Fever, directed by Eli Roth. We covered Cabin Fever all the way back in a very, very early episode yeah. of Film and Commentary, episode number five. Boom. And that was a time when I was studying you know, quite a few directors, and him particular, uh, him and David Fincher, they talk a lot about their craft and I enjoy that. But Cabin Fever was was a solid film. It was very entertaining. It was. I I had never really watched um, any of uh your guys films mm-hmm. at the time, but I was uh impressed with Cabin Fever. Yeah. Uh so I'm going to mention my next film. I'm going to go with I want to go with 2005's Ooh. Sin City. Ooh. Of one uh, Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino directing various parts of this anthology film Ooh. based on the original Frank Miller 
a graphic novel and, and comic book series where everything is all in black and white. Boom. This beautiful, highly stylized film we covered in episode 18 of Filmic Commentary. It stars a plethora of actors ranging from Elijah Wood to Bruce Willis, Jessica Alba, Mickey Rourke, Brittany Murphy, Rosario Dawson, Benicio Del Toro, Michael Madsen, Clive Owen, and Michael Clark Duncan. Rest in peace. Man. Pretty amazing uh, and eclectic uh, group of performers that were all a part of of this film. And um, yeah, man, I remember watching this in theaters and being blown away mm-hmm. by how it looked visually. And I remember getting this on Blu-ray and putting it in. This is one of the first, I think one of the first Blu-rays that I bought, putting it on my TV and just seeing just how gorgeous it looked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sin City is, it's a, a, a gem of a, of a film and it's 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 kind of unflinching and unapologetic but Frank Miller as a, a story comic book artist who loves noir he loves the he loves noir in everything mm-hmm. he brought mm-hmm. that to the Daredevil series of comic books back in the in the 80s and became a superstar there jumped over to DC and did stuff for them and made his own series Ronin he's just a he's he's an icon in uh, that area of pop culture but this adaptation Again, early on before MCU and and even before and during the time when Nolan was starting doing his Batman thing, it was just different. It really took the the aesthetic of a comic book of his particular book and you know pushed forward some new technology to really make it pop with the contrast. Yeah, absolutely, it's very it, it's very cool. If, if done wrong, it could be camp. It could it could have mm-hmm. come across as camp, but they made it gritty and cool. Yeah, yeah, with the selective coloring and the the black and white aesthetic and and yeah it's 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 a i think quite an accomplishment how they pulled this off but i agree yeah sin I, city i had that one playing quite a bit um at that time i was wrapping up college um but i remember having the dvd and that would just be on the menu uh the dvd menu and it was just playing so hearing robert rodriguez music playing with his rock with his guitar because he does a lot of scores uh just hearing that play i was like well, this is it's in my head forever. Yeah, man. And it's one that, uh, even talking about now, I'm like, man, I haven't watched it in a while. I kind of wish we were like, <laughs> I, I, might wa- I might watch it tomorrow. Just yeah. talking about it, think about it. I'm like, man. And it was, the, and the, 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 I remember the Blu-ray was a really good Blu-ray with a lot of features, oh, a yeah. lot of lot of content on it. It's just like, yeah. you feel like when you buy one, you get like, like value. Like, okay, I get this great movie and all this behind the scenes. But Robert Rodriguez, you... And, you know, really introduced me to him. He's very good about that. Giving yeah. you a, a lot, like a little mini film school with that's right, perks he, of, of his, his physical media. That's right. He had film school on that one. He had three commentaries. One with him. One with Quentin Tarantino. One with Frank Miller. And then another one. With, and I think Bruce Willis came in on the one that he had with Quentin Tarantino. Mm. So I was like, man, he was rocking it out. Yes, sir. But yeah, that was my uh, next uh, selection. All right. 2003, Kill Bill. Oh, man. <laughs> Dad gum. Good, good call. I totally, yeah, that would have been on my list. Yeah. I, man, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Freaking uh, A. Had, uh, that was in pop culture. Everybody was talking about it. And included animation. It was just a lot was going on there. That one was mm. that was just great to go to the movies and watch. Marketing was good. Everything was great about that film. 
I love I love Kill Bill. That that's that's a uh, a miss by me. Yeah, yeah, that should be on my list. Um, only had a couple runner ups. Uh, Finding Nemo. What? Mm-hmm. 2003, that was a hit. I don't know if it won any awards, but it probably did. And another film, uh, Lost in Translation. Um, that's Sofia Coppola, I believe, directed that one. That's with both um, that's, uh, Bill Murray mm-hmm. and... Um, Is it Scarlett? Scarlett Johansson, yes. Yeah. They're in, in, in Japan. I don't know why. It was um, during a year... Um, this is also one of those weird films that I was just, was kind of playing. So it's one of those independent films that what uh, I just had it playing and kind of finding your way in the world. That's what they were in this uh, country, just trying to find their way in their life, and they run into each other. Um, but anyhow, so it was one of my off the beaten pat path runner ups. And Finding Nemo did win uh, best animated feature. Boom! That one was solid. They, I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kill Bill is my uh, top film for 2003, for sure. Dang, I hated that I missed Kill Bill. Now I'm thinking about another film that I'm thinking that I know I missed that I have to put in my uh, honorable mentions. Okay. I got to see what year it came out. Were those all your runner-ups? Yeah, that's it for me. Okay, so for me, my next one I'm covering is... This is from 2007. Actually, no, let me let me... Yeah, this is from 2007. This is There Will Be Blood, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Ooh. That film, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen There Will Be Blood? I haven't. However, from 2007, go ahead, do your thing. All right. I, I haven't seen it, but I, I just like I did with uh, uh, City of God, I put this on my list of 2007, that along with No Country for Old Men, because I feel like, those films probably should be on my list if I watched them, but I haven't watched them, so I just wanted to just throw that out there. Spoiler alert, I've seen them both, and they're both on my list. <laughs> they are worth it. There Will Be Blood, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul uh, Dano, was nominated for eight Academy Awards, and it won for Best Lead Actor by one, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Best Achievement in Cinematography. It is... Uh, it is gripping. It is. It is. It is. It is violent. Yeah, I it's. Mean, uh, it's got to live up to that title. Yeah, but Daniel Day Lewis, his 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 character is, man, it's it's like he's like haunting yeah. and, uh, man, yeah, he's got yeah, you got to see it. I don't want to give anything away. Dude, but okay, I got to see it. I was like, maybe what? we should cover that. Um, yeah, that would that would be that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, there will be blood. Uh, Two thousand and seven. Yeah, amazing, amazing film. Now, for my runner-up, uh, I'm going to mention two thousand four's Anchorman. Okay, film that I did not see in theaters. Really? Well, I, I, was, I was working at a job, and somebody I kept hearing it being brought up, and I wasn't a huge Will Ferrell fan at the time, but it kept coming up, and someone was like, "You've never seen Anchorman?" And this, they they literally brought. The DVD to work this. You gotta, they, you gotta see this. They, wow. they let me borrow it. They wanted took, you to be part of the jokes. Yeah, and I took it <laughs> home and I watched it and I cracked up. And I, I love Anchorman. What year did you watch it? It would have been anywhere between uh, 2008 to 2010. Okay. When I finally watched it, so it was like four years, four to five okay. years, four to six years later. 
mm-hmm. I watched it and I, I was dying laughing. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my um, honorable mention, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Boom. Um, yeah, I think that that was your, that's your film or that's your runner up. That's my runner up okay. to um, to uh, there, there will, will be, be blood. blood. And I just added that. I just added Anchorman just now, like live, because yeah, when you mentioned Kill Bill, I was like, oh man, if I miss Kill Bill, oh crap, Anchorman. Like yeah. that's that's definitely a runner up for me. Absolutely, as Kill Bill would also be a run. No, Kill Bill would have been on the list. I would have bumped. I would have bumped something for Kill Bill. Two thousand four. Collateral, mm. directed by Michael Mann, starring running Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. That one um, had its own style. Michael Mann going with the uh, digital camera at the time, which uh, back then was like kind of groundbreaking to go with the digital camera to kind of shoot into the night the way he did. And at that time, the, the digital cameras were still... You know, they were, they were kind early. of early. Yeah, they were early on. So you can kind of see like the fuzziness. You could tell it was a so digital camera. You could still tell it was a digital camera uh, during those times. Now it's, uh, we're kind of used to digital. Um, but yeah, that film was great. We got to see Tom Cruise be a villain who we're used to seeing always be the good guy. Um, he got to be the villain. We got to see Jamie Foxx like just play the nerd, you know, guy that's just trying to, you know, live his life and. You know, go after his dreams, and we have this character that's forcing him to live his dreams. Interestingly enough, that same year, Jamie Foxx was nominated for two Academy Awards. He was nominated, if I'm not mistaken, for his role in Collateral and also for his role in Ray. Ooh. So, supporting and best actor. And so, yeah, Collateral. Which uh, we covered on episode 80 ooh. of Filmmaker Commentary. If you want to take a deeper dive, episode 80. <laughs> Get over there. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me let me fill your wish. <laughs> um, which probably might be on my list, but as you know, as honorable mention, but I'm not. Um, another film, Man on Fire. Denzel. Denzel Washington. Uh, that was that was Tony Scott, right? That directed that one. Really, Scott's brother. Tony. And definitely have its own style. Um, and another kind of honorable mention, Kill Bill Volume 2. Ooh, also equally awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just stuck with Collateral on this on 2004. See, man, like talking about this, like I, I want to watch Kill Bill. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to pop in Kill Bill. Absolutely. That's, 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 one, of my, that's one of my favorite films. Dang, I, I'm ticked that I missed that. Anyway, it happens. Um, next for me, I'm, since we're talking 2004, I'm going to mention... Ray, which is on okay. my list. Okay. Directed by Taylor Hackford. We covered this on episode 48 of Filmic and Commentary. Mm-hmm. It, of course, did star Jamie Foxx, Kerry Washington, Regina King, Clifton Powell, and Harry Lennox. Uh, it was nominated for six Academy Awards. It did win two, of course, one being Jamie Foxx as Best Lead Actor. Bang. And there's just something about um, biopic films, especially when they star... Uh, black entertainers mm-hmm. and especially when they deal with with music there's mm-hmm. something about that music is so impactful to the black community and in our lives growing up and it, it typically doesn't just impact the black community but typically impacts the world mm-hmm. and growing up my dad would play ray charles all the time and i didn't realize just how 
diverse his range was. Yeah. And this film shines a, a brilliant light on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, I mean, my dad would play some songs by Ray in the car that I didn't even know were Ray. Like, there's one song, you know, Look What They Done to My Song. Mm-hmm. And he would play, and it was, it was clearly like from the, the 70s. But it kind of it kind of had that vibe going to it. But I didn't, I didn't know that was Ray Charles at the, at the time until mm. until later because he would have these tapes. He would you know record a bunch of songs onto a tape and would just play mixtape. Yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> you, you didn't like I didn't know what was what. But um, and then of course he had his you know the his Pepsi commercials. You got the right one, bye bye, yeah. <laughs> um, but then you got I mean you got you got standards like Georgia, and yeah, him you know him singing. Uh, America the Beautiful mm-hmm. um, at and at one of the WrestleManias. And okay, the, Ray. Yo, yo cu- country songs. You know his, his version of Country Road. I mean, Ray Charles is you know he was a treasure, and to see his journey and to see it played out by uh, by Jamie Foxx, who mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about going method. Not only did he get a chance to meet the man before he passed and get Ray's blessing in essence to really to play him, but he already was classically trained as a piano player, and then had his eyes. You know, like glued shut and yeah. like lived blind. That's rough. That's in, that's amazing. Yeah. That is next level. But yeah, yeah a wonderful film uh, that shows the both the good and the bad, you know, yeah. the 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 beautiful and the ugly of one uh one uh Hall of Famer, Ray Charles. Yeah. Um it, it reminds me of when you were talking about Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood, um this commentator was like Daniel Day Lewis, he's not acting. He's he's just becoming different people. Yeah, like like yeah. When you see, when, dude, he when said you he's see, not acting. It's great when you see when you see there will be blood. Yeah, the, the guy that he plays, yeah, feels feels real. Yeah, and when I see Daniel Day Lewis, and I think about, I'm like, yeah, that's a different guy. That's a different. Yeah. That's a different dude. Yeah, yeah. He's he's channeling. So, yeah, that's funny. He's not acting. He's just becoming different people. <laughs> um, for 2005 this one there was a lot going on in 2005 um, I went with there There was a yeah, slide on here you know I could have went with uh, the one that went that won all the awards that year I, I contemplated putting Sin City at the top one but I went mm. with Constantine Ooh. It kind of checked a lot of boxes for me, especially sci-fi, dealing kind of like with, with dogma, religion, and how uh, kind of religious fig- figures fit into the science fiction. It uh, it scratched a lot of itches for me. Okay. Um, but kind of like runner-ups um, for Constantine, uh, Sin City. Uh, that could have very easily been on uh probably my pick of that list uh for 2005 but i also have crash on there and that's the one that won all the awards that year oh yeah and but I don't, it's not one i just go back to and be like yeah i'm watching it same Come, here same here at the time it it, it, it hit yeah. but yeah i haven't revisited yeah i don't i don't just yeah. go back and watch that one constantine i can watch that i can watch it now um Another one, Mister and Mrs. Smith, that came out that year. Oh, Brad I could Pitt, watch. I could Angelina watch that. Jolene. I could watch that anytime. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, have you seen Mister and Mrs. Smith? Yes. There's so much charisma or uh, chemistry, chemistry between them. Holy smokes! No wonder why they made babies. Broke up some relationships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's oozing off the screen. Just yeah. like for them to capture that on camera, I was like, you don't really get that lucky or un- 
or unlucky, depending on how you're looking at this. This is what side of the yes, <laughs> the side of the relationship you're on. Absolutely. I mean, you just yeah, it's hard to capture that. It. I mean, it's oozing off the screen. Um, and then I have Batman Begins as part of that kind of honorable mention. Swear to me, <laughs> <laughs> Alfred. Alfred. Oh man. Oh, that that Christian Bale voice <laughs> kills me sometimes. Um, for me, next, I'm going to mention a film that you had in the runner-up category. Uh, it's from 2007, and it is No Country for Old Men. Man. Directed by Ethan Cohen, starring one Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee. So it's from the Cohen brothers, uh, but it's just one. One of the one of the brothers. What? Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, my, my introduction to him. Josh Brolin. Okay. What a what a career. For real. Josh <laughs> Josh Brolin knows how to be in the right place at the at the right time. Who's his agent manager and, you know, just therapist? I don't know. I'll tell you some guys who have some of the best agents because they they just continue are continually in things. John Goodman. True. Uh Josh Brolin. Denzel. <laughs> I mean, I think people just ship him stuff. It don't matter who it is. Like, hey, you got it. Yeah, probably, they haven't even been submitted officially to Hollywood, but I want you to get this before Hollywood gets it, Denzel, right, please. Right. But man, but John Goodman, man, like just constantly. I mean, again, he's in flight with, with Denzel. True. He was in Inside Lewin Davis with um, Oscar Isaac when that came out a couple of years ago. But yeah, he, he just, man, like constantly was mm-hmm. constantly work. He was in The, the Artist. The black and white film, oh, silent film. That one. He yeah. was in that. Like he's he's he can juggle between like old Hollywood, yeah, corporate, or it being something like the Big Lebowski. Yeah, and, true. Kind of. I mean, he's slum yeah, it, well rounded. Be a hippie, drug drug dealer, whatever you need. Like he can do it. He was in um, what's the Kevin Smith movie with the dealing with the the religion, the pastors that were running a cult? Oh, Red Dawn, right? Red something. Not Dawn. That's Chris Hemsworth. Um, we it was one of the first from the first films on. Uh, this is the first, maybe the first or second episode I came that came on. Red from, State, Red State, yeah. Um, J- good ones in that one. Hmm. I, yeah, I forgot he was in that one. Uh, my next one again. I mentioned again. Uh, no Country for Old Men again it was nominated for eight Academy Awards and it won four of them for No Country for Old Men. Yeah, No Country for Old Men. Wow. It is. It is. I have to watch both of those films. And, 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 Antoine Sugar, I believe, is the character that Javier Bardem plays. Just a man, unrelenting hitman. That Dude. he is, he is after his guy, and he is murking folks <laughs> left and right. Like that, that that's one I actually do want to revisit. But okay. it was, you know, you 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 get it's one of those stories. Where you get you have that, you have that that um, police officer. Who was you know near that age of retirement, kind of wanted to go, and all of a sudden, murder comes to his town. He has to rely on all of his experience to try and track down and and, and stop this killer. But uh, one yeah. last hoorah! Yeah, but Ant- Ant- Antoine Sugar, I think wow. was the character's name. He's yeah, he got that special like shotgun with a suppressor on it. Dang. He's he's just murking folks, man. <laughs> He's good at murder. Yeah, that's one that after it won the Academy Award, I just heard so I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta check this out for myself. I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, two thousand and uh, seven, seven. Yes, sir. Uh, runner up, 
We were close to that time period, one year prior, uh, 2006 Casino Royale, directed by Martin Campbell, introduced us to a new James Bond, the uh, incredible good. Daniel Craig. That's a film that yeah, I didn't see it in theaters, but when I was, I was, I always like to watch lists for like best Blu-rays you could buy. Yeah, and that was on it. I mean, IGN had a list. I was like, it was like number one at the time, and it's just packed, packed with features. True, but the movie is. It's it's you know it's my favorite James Bond movie period like that's my favorite okay I've watched Casino Royale it brought a new level of brutality yeah to James Bond and I, I love Daniel Craig <laughs> especially at the end right ouch yeah but I mean just like the parkour scene early on at the mm. construction site yeah it's in the yeah yeah the it's it's a it's a fantastic Bond film but uh, yeah Casino Royale and if you know poker Royale. it makes it even more fun hey <laughs> um. 2006. Huh? Uh, I have to make mention that we, I think, covered Casino Royale. Did we? No, we didn't. Mm -mm. I was looking, I was like, yeah, check in. Was the other one, The Solace, was that one any good? I didn't watch that Quantum one. of Solace? Oh. <laughs> it was okay. Huh. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, it's like, it's all right. Okay. Yeah. But there's, he's done quite a few. Uh, True. Skyfall. Um, yeah, it's quite a few. Did another one just drop last year? Oh, because that was during the COVID stuff, right? Yeah. Whoops, missed that one. I, th I think it's all like all all bonds are on Amazon Prime. Every yeah. bond, every done. Because it's the one with Prime. oh boy, the one that played the Remy Malik. Yeah, yeah. I one. didn't watch that one. I should have watched that one. I haven't yeah, watched it. I haven't watched it yet either. Hmm. COVID, COVID hit, got you know took out a lot of a lot of films. Yeah, yeah Scarlet. Uh <laughs> Uh, 2006. My film, 300. Ooh, dang! That changed. This movie changed the game. Dang, good one, good one, bro. I uh, and I saw it at the theater. Mm. Goodness, nothing wow. bad. Uh, directed by Zack Snyder, son. Yeah, I mean, a whole new way of looking at action. You know, just kind of like how the Matrix did in '99 or '98. 99, yeah. Good one, dude. Damn, I can't yeah. believe I missed that one. That, oh, that one changed. That changed life. This <laughs> is Sparta. <laughs> Another adaptation of a Frank Miller graphic novel. Absolutely. 300. Which is, yeah, and come, that came a couple years, well, a year after Sin City. Um yeah, Frank Miller. I mean, any, he could at during those four years he could have got anything made in his catalog. Yeah, for real. Um, and that's somebody that was kind of adamant against Hollywood at one point in time. So, shout out. But yeah, that one's definitely on the list. That changed. That changed a lot. That yeah, it made its mark. Made people want to work out. P ninety X was like selling all kinds of copies. For real. <laughs> <laughs> like no longer did people want to be like look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they just wanted to be lean and cut. After watching that, one like a Spartan. Yeah, they just you know I'm be lean and cut. You know what I'm curious? You know they have the Spartan races. No, I wonder when that started. If that started after 300 <laughs> came out, probably. I mean, so much was going on. So um, honorable mentions. This this could have easily been on my maybe uh, Apocalypto, directed by Mel Gibson. Ooh, I've never actually seen that one. Oh, that one! I went to the theater to see that one. That one's uh, it's eye opening. Um, the Prestige. Did you watch The Prestige? Oh yeah, that's okay. Is that the one with um, 
Because there's this prestige and there's the illusionist. The, the prestige. prestige is the one that has um, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And also yeah. Edward Norton. Mm-mm. Edward Norton's no. not, not in that one too? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, Edward Norton is an illusionist. He's an illusionist, yes. Okay, yeah. Hugh Jackman and, and uh, the Piper, Bat- Piper, what's her name? And the Batman. Yeah, like, Christian Bale. Yes. Yeah, that, dang, that was that was another good one. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> so many good films. Yeah, The Prestige, that one, that could easily could have easily been there almost, but not quite. Now again, what year did 300 come out? 2006. Yeah, the uh 48-hour endurance event was found of um Spartan Deathwish was founded in 2007. Oh, yep, absolutely. That's Correlation. Right. Absolutely. Uh, honorable, another honorable mention. This is a documentary. Um, it's called The One Percent, and it kind of goes into the lives of the top one percent wealthiest people in the world, and just kind of how how they operate in like their own world, and how they don't they don't want to know they don't want people to know who they are, especially the descendants. They are they try to shun away from any kind of media coverage and things like that. And the guy that's doing the dirt doing the documentary he's part of the one percent he's a young guy in his 20s and he's just trying to like interview people in his family his family no let's not Mm. you know there's like bro why are you doing this you know it's like good question you know it's like you know they just don't want to be exposed you know they just like have a fear of you know people coming after them it's it's very interesting um you know uh and then um one of my last ones called atl by you know starring T.I. and Laura London that was just like a feel good like if you think about the movie The Wood ATL has that same vibe gotcha uh, but yeah for 2006 300 for sure okay okay my next one I'm gonna go with 2006's Dream Girls ooh you know, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the musical this was directed by one Bill Condon uh, starring Beyonce Knowles, Eddie Murphy, Jennifer Hudson, and Jamie Foxx, nominated for eight Academy Awards and one for Best Supporting Actress. That should have probably been on my. That should have been on my list, but I didn't watch it. Ah, okay, and also Best Sound Mix, and this is uh, once again a film that is is not directly autobiographical, but I remember Smokey Robinson got kind of pissed after the film came out. Yeah, because the film seems to kind of emulate. Motown, kind okay. of how Motown came up with kind of some clear, clear visuals that mm. that the the Dream Girls are kind of reminiscent of the Supremes and that's kind of Beyonce, what it is. Beyonce Knowles' character being very much so like Diana Ross and and so, um, but man, there's some 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 good songs in here, some great performances. Eddie Murphy getting his first Academy Award nomination. With, man, I was I was really hoping he would he would he would get it. Wow! But he was nominated, and his his uh, character, um, um, buddy. Now for the some sounds of one. No, Jimmy Jimmy Early. There we go, Jimmy Early. Um, <laughs> buddy Love. Yeah, now it's like oh, that, that's not right. Cause now for the mellow sounds of Jimmy Early, and he sings the song that I meant you no harm. And then uh-huh. anyway, but yeah, Dream Girls was up there for me, and it's uh, it's it's a musical because they do actually break into song. During actual scenes, oh, okay. In addition to performances, oh really? Oh really? We must make that distinction. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dream Girls was, was was up there for me. Wow, damn! I gotta go watch it. Um, my run, my last runner-up, I'll mention, two thousand four was Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, I remember watching that one. That that one is a 
Oof. It's a it's a great film. Great film and yeah, as well as films like that, that that can get you. Yeah. Um Yeah. Good, good film. Million Dollar Baby. Unbelievable. Uh two thousand seven. Just could have went anywhere. Um, but I think I have some missing, you know, like I think there we there will be blood or no country for old men would probably be on this list if I had seen those films, but right. I didn't. So Transformers gets put on there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I respect you. I respect you. <laughs> Tell me you didn't go to the theaters in two thousand and seven. Heck yeah, and watch Transformers. Heck yeah. so. Man, I'm I'm a G one. You know, as we, you know, yeah, yeah, come on, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I was there. I'm, I'm a G1 guy, Optimus Prime. Yeah, that's my dude, Peter Cullen. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who has Transformers, the movie, the animated movie, in right. multiple formats. Yeah, yeah, that one, it, it just took the world by storm. That film, um, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, uh, charisma. Uh, what's the Megan Fox? Just yeah, it had everything, man. That that film had everything. Yeah. It was just, I saw in theaters, but it was hard to watch. The something within Michael Bay's style when the when, and maybe I was sitting too close to the screen, but when things would be rolling, it was I had never had that experience. There was hard to follow. I'm like, whoa, why is this like everything like like when the robots would spin or whatever? It was hard to decipher what was happening in the theater. Oh. I never had that experience before. That that made it kind of unenjoyable. Yeah. Some of his later films, I didn't really. I was like, all right, you know. Uh, but that first one that was groundbreaking uh, that year, and uh, kind of took over everything. But you know, that might change as I watch more films from two thousand seven. Mm. Uh, but right now, like that kind of took you know, that kind of that kind of took it. I was kind of reluctant to put it on up there. But you got American Gangster as my you know runner up. Juno. Ooh, that's man. That that was a that was a good one. That I like Juno. And uh, super bad. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, a little diverse. I'm probably gonna watch more films from 2007, and I'm sure that'll change. But for for now, it's Transformers. Mm. And that it, you're right, it was groundbreaking. It did kick off uh, that whole franchise, which has made Paramount a lot of money. Yeah, I mean they've got this next one coming up where they're they're diving kind of into the Beast Wars aspect of, of the Transformer universe. So it's it's an IP that that continues to to give. Mm-hmm. And since and you can- mentioned American Gangster, we did cover that in episode one oh one of filmmaker commentary. Absolutely. Solid. Um yeah, so that's yeah, Transformer that it was one of those ones that yeah, it destroyed at the box office. Yeah, it it, it did. Um, my last film okay. on my list, I mentioned, this is from 2004. Okay. And it is the film of one James Wan saw. Yeah. We covered it on episode 39 of Film Like a Commentary. Yeah. Uh, starring one, uh, my, uh, his name didn't come out right when I typed it. Let me make sure I get, say his name right. There we go. So it starred one... Lay Wanell, and of course uh, the the great Carrie Elwes, yeah. along with Danny Glover. Yeah, this was a kind of a game changer for horror films. Yeah, and, and it started obviously a whole franchise that's that spun out, and again, it really kind of I think ushered in the kind of the the lower budget, and and I don't know if this was produced by Bloomhouse or or not, but 
But yeah, Saw was Saw was a uh, a game changer. Yeah, um, great story, man. That yeah, that one was good. And I didn't watch it when it came out, but when we covered it, I was like, "This is great." Yeah, I, it's likewise. I wasn't I wasn't doing anything horror uh, at the time when 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 that dropped, but it's got a fantastic twist. And the thing that makes it good is that. Um, a lot of times horror films are thrown in with these other films or like torture porn and things like that, where it's just blood. There's no really no good story and it's just exploitation. Uh, but this one had a solid story and is legitimately scary. Yeah. <laughs> and made mad bank. $1.2 million estimated budget gross 104 million. Yeah. That's a win. James Wan, <laughs> you can do whatever you want after that. But that's that kind of horror vein where, Again, spend a little, and percentage of returns are just can be insane. Few things get the percentage of return like horror movies can. Yeah, true. Home Alone. Ha. <laughs> Family or horror? Pick pick which one you want to do. So once again, let's recap our our top. I 10. got one more. Oh man. Yeah. So that was your last one, and I got my last one. I thought you started first though. I haven't did my two thousand and eight. Go for it. Uh, did I miss one of mine? I'm like, did I? Oh, you know what? Because I marked off, I think, Gladiator. That's why. Yeah, I, I marked I marked one off while uh -huh. you were doing your... Um, and we went right into... Yeah, that's why. Because okay. one of mine went into your... your. Um, okay, okay, that makes sense. Go ahead, Zach. Um, This was the year of, like, like kind of superhero stuff, I guess. Um, but I'm going to go with Wanted. Do mm. that. <laughs> Nice, nice. That one's fun to watch. That's uh, who's our lead character in Wanted? I can't think of her brother. That name. is um, we got Angelique Jolie. We got Angelique Jolie, right? We, we, um, um, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. We got Morgan Freeman. Yes, less is more. <laughs> it's just a fun film, you know. It's just and it's. <laughs> Very different from the graphic novel. I remember that you, that you brought the graphic novel. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Very different from the graphic novel. It's uh, it's it's toned down from the graphic. Yeah, novel. absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's just something. Spoiler alert. It's just funny to see when, like, somebody kind of experienced death and then come back. You know, it's just funny to see that in films. We've seen it with the Tom Cruise film, The Repeat Die Tomorrow. Oh uh, yeah, Live Die Repeat. Uh -huh, tomorrow or something. Um. That film was funny. Uh, yeah. Or Groundhog Day or just as films when you get to experience something terrible and you can get to come back and learn from the experience. Uh, the, the Wanted taps into that. Um, but it's just a fun film. I wouldn't say it's, you know, I don't know, deserving of an Oscar or anything like that, but it's just one of those fun commercial Hollywood films that is, that's rewatchable. Um, Runner Ups. Now these uh, Cadillac Records. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. And I and I didn't watch that till later, until we covered it, and so that was a surprise one for me. Cadillac Records, um, Tropic Thunder. Ooh, dang! That was oh man, I, that that would be on my uh, yeah. runner up list for sure. Cadillac Records, we we covered in episode twenty. Filmmaker commentary. Um, I do have Iron Man on there. Uh, nice, The Dark Knight, and there's a movie called Jumper. Did you ever see the movie Jumper? No, I remember seeing the trailers for yeah. it, 
I, I don't think I actually saw it. That one's a fun film to watch. Why is that not popping up? We covered Tropic Thunder. Yeah. On the podcast. Um, you recall the episode? Because I'm trying to search for it here. It's not popping up. Three member with the episode. Did it publish? Did we publish it? I hope so. That was that was a funny one. That was that was a good one. That I gotta go to the to the vault and see what's up. Okay, I'm scrolling down, scrolling through because that was a. You know what? Let me check my. I can I can find it in my notes for sure. Okay. Uh, but jumper that one was with Hayden Christensen. Um. Yeah. Episode one fifteen was Tropic Thunder. Boom. Sorry for the confusion. No worries. Yeah, I recommend you watching Jumper. That one's good. Okay. That one, that's a good one. Especially like during that time with the hero movies kind of coming in. I may have seen it actually. This dude can like just teleport. Yeah, he just teleport. They yeah. they wind up at the pyramids at yeah. one point. Yeah, I think good. I actually did see it somewhere. Mm, I did see it. Okay. I had forgotten most of it, but I did see it. Yeah, so out of that year, Wanted sticks out for me. Tropic Thunder probably could, or Cadillac, but I'm going to go with Wanted. I'm going to go with Popcorn. All right. Tropic <laughs> Thunder, man. RDJ, man, is, oh, gosh. Yes. That's what we got. 1998, 2008. That's our top 10 list. Do we want to run through Yeah, let's run real through quick? It. Let's run through it one more again. Rush Hour. Oh, mine, mine, mine is all kind of as order. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh, run through. I'm not gonna sure. take a year or anything. Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man, Rush Hour, Matrix, Fight Club, Unbreakable, Gladiator, Training Day, Memento, Panic Room, Sin City, Kill Bill, There Will Be Blood, Collateral, Ray, Constantine, No Country for Old Men, Three Hundred, Dream Girls, Transformers, Saw, Wanted. I have a feeling if anybody gets that list, they will be thoroughly entertained. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good list. Some some great runner ups yeah. as well. There's some fantastic films out there, ladies and gentlemen. We've covered a nice handful of these on the show as well, so feel free to go back and check out those episodes. There's a again a number of them. Maybe we'll drop them in the show notes potentially. Give you a nice point of reference. Or maybe when we uh, post on social media, maybe we'll drop some some links back to those previous episodes as well. Just kind of make it full circle. Boom. Coming up next okay. on Filmmaker Commentary, we'll be diving into Zola. That's C-O-L-A. Yeah. I've been wanting to watch this film and can't wait to check it out. All right. You know, we go to all corners of filmdom here on Filmmaker Commentary. We, we, we just love movies. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to checking Zola out as well. Now, if you want to contact us, you can do so. Facebook.com forward slash Filmmaker Commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and of course, Spotify. You can also connect with us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I am at KCGSmith32. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. He is at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. I'm at KCGSmith32. Until next time, peace. Respect.